Leo. Good morning, Mars. How are you? Good morning, bro. I'm pretty good. Just um, just sent my boy to school. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which one? Um the 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 seven year old. Oh okay. <laughs> so the other ones just walk on their own, or get there on their own? Yeah. Well, he 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 lives like he doesn't really live with me. He lives with you know my mom. That's right. You were sharing with us last week on that. You were actually saying you guys are more like brothers. You said. Yeah. Yeah. That's we, um, that's, an, that's interesting. He really talks to me like um like I'm his brother. And uh you know, he shared um I think he shares a lot of um he's he has a lot of anger in him like towards me. So and you know, I I, I don't I don't hold nothing against him because of it. You know, cuz you know, I just wasn't I just wasn't equipped and prepared like, you know, to at the time and um you know my mom you know my mom is a she's an oracle like she she sees things that i don't so yeah he, he's he's yeah, turned yeah. out to be a good young man and you know i have very little to do with that you know that's all my mom and dad yeah i have a couple of those situations as well i am surprised uh that the other men are not here but i'm not i'm not surprised we invited detective real talk all day and he said it would be part of this perhaps something came up we also invited my boys from inglewood and they said they're going to be part of this but they party a lot like me and oh nice yeah so hopefully i got family from the watts <laughs> and uh, welcome to the show everyone william burge how are you always good to see you you have <clears throat> Time, boss. You want to come up to the panel? Please let us know. This is open to a bunch of dads that I invited. Let's go ahead and start off the show officially because this will be put be put on my podcast. So give me about three seconds here. No problem. In three, two, one. My name is Mr. X, but you can call me Leo or Uncle Leo here on the Stereo Streets as we do another episode of the Full blooded podcast today we discuss dad's topics or dad's club on this app something that's caught my attention lately is what has been going on in the united states with sexting blackmailing where young boys are killing themselves suicide because of ill-equipped to handle the pressures of being blackmailed over sex pics there is a link to the youtube channel and it's very attractive to see these young men make these choices and as fathers, it reminds me, how do we bring up the issues of sex? Or as the Bible would say, fornication. I love that word. I think it hits you right in the face. Fornication. <laughs> right. Sodomy. Yes, yeah, sodomy. <laughs> or dating. <laughs> and that brings up another issue. How do you instruct your son? Or at what point do you instruct your son? I, I mean, I just realized I haven't been a full-time dad in a long time. And all of a sudden, my son, who's going to be 15 in about 10 days, has a girlfriend. And hmm. I said something last week by accident, trying to discourage him from keeping it secret from the other lady's dad, and it scared him, and she and he broke up with her three days later. So that being said, oh man, <laughs> I know we'll get into, we'll get into it. <laughs> and, Sheesh. Uh, yeah, and and let's start with uh, the fact that 
boys are different. So Mars, you have a couple of boys. I have a couple of boys. What age do we start talking to them about when is it okay to have a girlfriend? How do you have a girlfriend? And I, I can't relate to acquiring one because I wasn't allowed to have one at a young age. But what's your take on just coaching your boy on how relationships should get started? I mean, how do you how do you do that in your household? Or what, what have you thought of so far? So, like, my seven-year-old, right, he's the only one that I'm, like, fully raising. Like, like I told you earlier, like, my 17-year-old, like, that's all my mom and dad. But, um, you know how my, how my parents, like, raised us, like, um, it's really hard to explain it, like, the Polynesian dynamic, because, like, we're very sex positive, so there's rarely anything, like, hidden from us, or, like, considered taboo or forbidden, you know, so, you know, my parents, you know, they were, they would have, like, sex and like not in front of us but like not discreetly you know we would know what they're doing and like from a very young age and um my dad never really had the sex talk with us like he never really sat us down and explained a lot of things so um he he kind of just let you know like it was it was kind of awful like um, it's not awful, not like traumatizing like that, but you know, I would see like my parents like having sex, so I would know what it was like for a very like young age, not, not like that, but like, you know, um, I would not, not like I would come home and like, they'll be, they'll be doing it. So it's, it's not like, but the I was door's ever... closed, right? I mean, it's not like the door's open or anything. <sighs> Oh God! <laughs> my, mom, my mom and dad would be like fucking like in their garden. Okay. The, yeah. They, they so, sound like uh, big fans of Adam and Eve, just hitting it in the eating. Right, right. right. So, is, like, okay. I've seen things is this like here in that. America, and my, was this here in Hawaii or something? No, 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 no. This is in Oakland, California. <laughs> <laughs> live and direct, like live oh, and direct. Oh God! Okay. So, wow. like, other people might think of it like, oh, damn, that's gross. But, like, it was just, like, my normal. Okay. So, so to you, And I don't think they would do it on purpose. Thing. Yeah, I don't think they, you know, they never did it on purpose, like, just blatantly having sex in front of us. But, you know, my mom, my mom's from, you know, my mom's from the old world. Like, she's from, like, she, she's for, like, she grew up in the islands. My dad is, um, you know, my dad is second generation, like, American. So, okay. yeah, I think he, you know, he tried to have the talk with us, like me and my brothers before. But, like, he, I guess, you know, he, when he was talking, like, when he was trying to explain things to us, like, he was doing it very, like, like, I think he was more nervous than we were. <laughs> so yeah i don't <laughs> i don't know man like me i always knew what sex was like um you know i've seen like i don't know like it's just hard to i've seen like so many things like growing up with 
not not just my mom and dad, but like, you know, my uncle, you know, my uncle lived with us and he had girlfriends. So I really honestly learned a lot from him. Like he would tell me too, like he like, you know, the first time I seen someone get a blowjob was, you know, my uncle. Like he was getting a blowjob. So I, I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez, Louise. So it's just like, yeah, I don't know how like, I don't know how like graphic you, you keep your show. So I'm, I'm just going to well, kind of keep I'm it. School, so every time you see me wince verbally, I'll give you a little clue. I, <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a very stringent Catholic Mexican up, upbringing and uh, you know, <laughs> sex almost didn't exist in our household. So oh, dude, it was lost. everywhere with mine. It was everywhere. Like there was a time you know, when me and my friends thought that babies came out of the woman's navel. I mean, that's how ignorant we were at the age of eleven <laughs> and twelve. <laughs> and so and I, I think there's gonna, yeah, I, I think there's got to be a healthy approach to it. And I'm not saying you're wrong or mine's right. What I'm saying is, I was actually surprised with myself, considering how much I thought I knew about life, of how uncomfortable yeah. I get when I try to bring up the topic of romance, love sex relationships and mm -hmm. developing these things when you're so young because the opposite is if you're not prepared like this young man who's a star quarterback in his high school 17 years old and there's more of these issues there's a 15 year old another 16 year old and the next yeah. thing you know they do what young men do they game they're on their xbox gaming all the time that is their social mm -hmm. number one outlet and the next thing you know you have catfish impersonating a very attractive young girl. Hi, how are you? What's going on? You're cute. I love the way you play. Let's be friends. Give me your cell phone number. Let's text each other. Let's develop a relationship. Wink, wink. I'm flirting with you. Wink, wink. I like you. Wink, wink. Send me some pictures of you nude. All right. The boy does. And the next thing you know, he's sent text messages. We got pictures of you. And unless you send us this much amount of money, we're going to release these pictures. And it becomes mm -hmm. a vicious cycle where it's never enough. It's never enough. And the men or these young boys eventually say, you know what, I've had enough. I'll just off myself. Whereas they say in today's video game times, I'm going to unalive myself. Yeah. And I, I think we have to be able to have some sort of a relationship with our sons so we can put that on the radar before it gets to that point. Have you considered any of these things? I mean, you have a young boy who's eventually going to get yeah. to that point. But you're also have an older son who, whether we know it or not, I guarantee you, you guys will have more and more time with each other and this conversation might come up or with mm -hmm. another young man. Well, what, what do we yeah, say? It, How do we approach it? Um, it already has like with, with my older boy, like he, um, he came to me for like sex advice because like, you know, he has a girlfriend now and like, um, you know, he's heard stories of me when I was young. So, um, you know, I think you just have to guide them the best way, like, you can. Like, you got to make them have, you know, self-awareness as far as, um, um, you know, sending nudes. You got to have that talk now because, you know, back then we couldn't say, like, we had Polaroids. That was our, like, that was our nude right there. We would give, like, girls or whatever. <laughs> It was uh, like <laughs> that's something like and stalkers if... and serial killers do. They're constantly on. <laughs> oh my god! 
<laughs> nah, for real. Like, that was my thing. Like, um, if a girl wanted a picture of you, you just snap a Polaroid and give it to her. And then, um, I don't know. I was, I was a different person. Like, I was, you know, um, my parents taught me very well, you know, to be very, to love my body. So I never had, like, you know, um, body dys- dysphoria or whatever. I never was ashamed of my body. Um, you know, I, I feel like that's just the Polynesian culture that, like, you're raised with. Like, it's not really, they don't, my parents never shamed me, like, especially my mom. Like, I feel like I'm a recovering narcissist, like, because, you know, that's just the way my mom, like, raised me. Like, she raised me like I was perfect and stuff, you know, because, like, I'm basically the male clone of her. So I never went through it. And I think um, we could start by not, you know, making our kids more aware that, you know, to love their bodies and um, just, like, be more self-aware of sending out nudes like that because that could be, you know, I feel like that could be, like, um, like that, that kid we're talking about that committed suicide with, you know, the, the suicide over his, uh, nude photo getting leaked and stuff like that's horrible. So, um, we could just start by raising awareness and, you know, just teaching our kids, like, just don't, just don't send out nudes like that, you know, because it's like, it's, it's easy, right? Like kids, kids, um, Kids just do it, like, for nothing nowadays. And I think it's for attention, too, lack of attention. And I'm, that's where I was going. I appreciate different cultures being different because spice of life, that's where you get that from. You remind me a lot of the Brazilian culture. I've met a lot of people from Brazil, and they have a very open uh, approach to, to sex or, you know, the body. Uh, yeah. Filipinos, too, also. But Mexicans yeah, are Filipinos very, very too. repressed. Very, very repressed. In fact, I remember being little, and they would always make fun of your pajarito, and that means little bird. I don't know why. <laughs> maybe because I'm five foot eight, five foot nine, but they always said, "Don't show your little bird to anybody. What's wrong with you? It's disgusting." But I'm six. I don't know. My zipper was down. I, you know, it's, there's a lot of shaming. <laughs> yeah. In in our culture, but I I think I think the first step is to acknowledge the fact that this shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't want to commit suicide or kill yourself if you're ashamed of something that you did and you feel that it's wrong of if it being leaked. I think we have to learn to be accountable for some of the some of the iffy decisions we make. It doesn't make us a right. person, it doesn't make us a less of a person, but we I guess we have to have that sort of a relationship in the first place to be able to approach our sons and let them know mm-hmm. you don't gotta kill yourself. But what 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 makes a boy do that? I mean I guess in your case, mm. you know, you're 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 a big guy. You're a football star. You're good looking. You have a wonderful family that appreciates the physical attributes of being a human. I guess if someone asks, you I think for we just it, you're like, ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I got in trouble too, like uh, because like you know, the, my girlfriend at the time, like she showed everybody like my shit. How and, old were you like, when this happened? <sighs> I was 17. I was dumb. Oh. <laughs> okay. And, and when yeah. she asked for these pictures, you thought, no problem. <laughs> Here we go. 
You brought a, a gallery. Oh man, I, I was yeah, I was already I was I was like stoked to do it. I was glad that she asked. <laughs> and then when she so, showed her friends and everybody seen it, I was even more like I like I, I was just eating it up. But then I got in trouble because yeah. By your dad or your mom? Um, so it started both. I got in trouble by both. Okay. Um, my mom mainly, you know, my mom was the physical disciplinary, so um got my ass whooped. Um my dad was very um he didn't he did he didn't really he thought it was stupid, but at the same time, like he was like, you know, he kinda understood but at the same time, he, you know, um, he had to put pressure on me because of my mom. You know, my mom was like, you're just going to let him do that? Like, is that it? You're just going to talk to him? You know, <laughs> my dad, yeah. I have to ask, yeah. what was the number one issue your mom had thus taking, uh, thus having a conversation with you, thus punishing you? Like, what was the number one complaint? Because cause, uh, it's, um, it's, the problem with the United States sometimes regarding parenting is there's too much hypocrisy. The parents are always telling the kids, do as I say, not as I do, because everybody knows that adults are out there sexting each other. Mm-hmm. But um, as I was 17 parent, at you, the time. Pick on? Just that's it? Too young? Uh, that's uh, the I was 17 at the time, I think, too, because of how it was discovered. Like, because um, my... My girlfriend at the time, she was, uh, she played volleyball, and the coach for the volleyball team, like, is the one who discovered the Polaroids. So, um, yeah, and then she sent it to, like, she didn't know how to handle it and just sent it to the um, assistant principal, then it got to the vice principal. I mean, uh, you know, it just went up like that, and then, you know, I got in trouble. And my girlfriend got in trouble too. So, and so we, my mom know, knew. Go ahead. Uh -huh. I said so. We so we know for a fact that you're probably special, Mars. You're you're probably that one cat that I didn't expect to say what sexting. Hell yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, shout out to you, <laughs> power to you. You have that confidence. I've always been the person, but it it leads us into the fact. Like, let's take a look what it looks like to have a conversation with our son. Because I, I, I saw this uh, last year, maybe maybe mm -hmm. months ago, uh, when two other young men had killed themselves over the same dilemma. And it made me worried mm -hmm. for my son. So when my son first got his girlfriend a month and a half ago, you know, he's, yeah. he's only going to be 15 in a little bit. It, it kind of worried me. And I told myself, you know, my son's smart. My son's mature for his age. But that doesn't prepare you for making decisions that you might regret later and then taking it out like this. So let's give right. a little time to consider how do we approach our boys? What does that sound like? Let's consider that as I play this message. Here we go. Yeah. Uncle Leo and Dark Mars. Um, this is an excellent topic. Uh, this is a topic that needs to be discussed more. Um, there is an endemic um, in North America, and that's absentee fathers. And the fact that you gentlemen are so involved in your son's lives is something that should be commended, and I commend both of you for doing that. Um, this 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 thing with sexting, I mean, 
Sex needs needs to be addressed, yes, at an appropriate age. But you can't just wait and think it's a taboo subject and, oh, when's the appropriate time? If they ask questions, give them answers. Uh, you need to yeah. address it. And the fact that you as men are setting the example, and when other men listen to this, I'm pretty sure you guys are really going to motivate um, a lot of men in North America, and I congratulate you guys just for a great show. Thank you, Pastor oh, Birch. Always yeah, awesome shout out to have you. you in the room. Shout out to Canada. And I'm not crazy about mm-hmm. Canadians, those communists, but still, that's my opinion. <laughs> All right. Pastor Birch and King Gene uh, were doing a show last year, and it really reminded me of one of the biggest lessons I've learned from the stereo streets, especially from mm-hmm. the black fathers that are on here. Shout out to Big Boy. While I'm not a black nationalist, I'm not any kind of nationalist. I'm a human supremacist. I'm down for human beings first. I do appreciate right. what Bob, what Big Boy is always talking about, how if the father's not at home, and Adam Carolla has been talking about this for the last 15 years on this podcast. If fathers are not at home, your sons especially are more susceptible to making terrible choices. Now, I don't know if these boys had sons in the house. Mm -hmm. But regardless, and that's why I was talking to you about before the show started, Mars, I too have a son in that situation. But there will come a time, and you said it already has come up, where they're asking for input or advice or sharing some sexual questions. My thinking is my boy's on his Xbox a lot because, like me, he likes to socialize. Right. But is there an age limit? Is there an age requirement? Like, I did not want him having a girlfriend until he was 16. Some gal stopped him, sent him 100 cutouts of lips with a message behind each lip, gave, gave him 100 of these. And the next thing I know, he's God God, has a little crush, and has a little girlfriend. And she's not little. She's a senior on the on the oh, what? high school golf team. And she's also – no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's a, she's a freshman, but she is on the, on the varsity golf team and on the varsity uh, oh, nice. track team. And I haven't seen any pictures of her, but what his mom tells me, you know, they were already posing in these cuddled positions, and that got her worried. And I thought, mm. oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to have a talk with him. Like, do you hold hands? Are you kissing? Um, Does your dad know that you're you're in the life? And if the dad finds out you're going to screw her and get her pregnant, have you thought about that? And when when I said that at dinner time, he got scared. And and yeah. three days later, he broke up with her because he knows nothing about sex. He knows nothing about the physical nuances of of uh, of a relationship. So how do you how do you approach that? Like, have you thought of it? What age do we have these conversations? Oh. Way earlier than fifteen to me. <laughs> Okay. Because um, I think kids, <clears throat> kids kind of develop the curiosity like around, you know, going into their adolescence, which is usually um, 12, 12 to thirteen. Like there's kids who are faster, so I really think it's a subject of knowing and like gauging your kid and being present, um, and like basically, you know, you got you got to have a relationship with your child and know what speed they're at. Like, um, my, um, my older son, my 17 year old, um, he was curious about sex when he was 10. Like, and you know, my parents, um, my parents, you know, they're well seasoned now. So my dad was way better at it than he was like when, when I was young. 
you know? So um, I myself, I was fast, man. Like I was curious about sex when I was eight, you know, cause you know, I had, um, like I told you, like my uncle had several girlfriends and they were very attractive. Um, so it's just really about gauging of your child and knowing like, um, knowing their speed and like uh, where they're at as far as their curiosity. And you can't really shame them either. You know, you gotta, cause when you shame your kids then you know, they kind of shy away from you and um, look for guidance um, in more comfortable places. So I really think it's just about openness and um, you know, just being involved with like your child and knowing your child. And not shaming them, man, because I think a lot of a lot of parents uh, let and I'm guilty of this, too, you know, because, you know, I'm still learning like my seven year old is very intelligent. So I have to constantly um, have answers for him. And, you know, you can't really you can't really like um, you can't really have a subject that's taboo, like if they. If they want to know about it, like, just tell them, you know, and just, like, kind of grow your relationship with your child so, you know, things like this won't happen. Like, Gosh, Mars, I don't know what I like more, your soothing, laid-back, swaggity-swag voice or the wonderful words <laughs> that are coming out of you to use that voice. I'm, I'm big You're too kind, man. And, harmony, man. and every time I drive with you, I'm like, man, I'm cool enough to hang out with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, I feel the same for you, man. I'm like, this guy's too, this guy's too cool. But yeah, I'm glad so we, we share to... the same admiration. Thank you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and hear some messages from intergalactic space. Hey, Mars, what's up? Dance club on stereo app. Ting, oh shit. Oh fuck. I hate to hear that. Hope it's nobody's relative. All right. Bye. One thing that helped me um, as an adolescent is the ability that my mom opened up a space to where I felt like I could tell her anything. Um, I remember, I never forget it. Um, when I told her I was thinking about having sex, she told me about blue waffles. And uh, yeah, for another five years, <laughs> I would not have sex. Wait, blue waffles? Bye. Is that what she said? <laughs> she said, yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, we were that, that, what we just finished talking about is how do we approach our sons? And I, I like what you said, without the shaming and creating a space that's open. Um, yeah, that's kind of new to me as a dad. You know, I'm old school, so I'm always like, these are the rules. That's it. And as long as you don't break these rules, you're not going to see me. I mean, I'm in my office. You're downstairs. We got our own life. I'm only going to talk to you when I'm going to make you accountable because mama's mad at you because you did something wrong. Oh, man. Yeah, I never thought about it the way you thought about it. That's that's old school, man. Like, my dad dad is like that. I'm not saying, like, that's bad or whatever. Um, Everyone's going to have their style of parenting. Like, I myself, you know... um, I take I take the good because you know there's a lot of good that my dad did like raising us, like um, like never hitting us, um, 
I mean, my dad has hit us, but he never spanked us or, like, beat the hell out of us. He'll just, if we did something annoying or dumb, like, he'll just do a, a real strong backhand, like, to knock some sense into us. But, um, yeah, no, people got their different styles of parenting, like, um, and, you know, I can't really knock it, but I just like having that, you know, I put... I put trust um, before everything. Like, I want my kid to trust me. You know, I don't want them to feel like, you know, you can't come to me because he's going to he's gonna be so oh, rigid, man. you know? That's really good. Wow. I want, I want my son to trust me. Wow. Because look at it. Wow. If, you, if you back your – if your son, right, if your son feels like – he can't come to you, like, what type of parent, like, and I'm not trying to clown on nobody, you know, we all have our different styles of parenting, but for those parents who, like, um, I want to call it fear parenting, um, I forgot which of my favorite psychologists said it, like, I think it was Carl Jung, he was like, when you close your child off from open spaces, they're going to find comfort elsewhere. So you just got to think of it. Like, do you want, do you want your child, do you want to mentor your child or do you want, you know, him to, um, to find, um, to find the mentorship like elsewhere or leave that responsibility up to like someone else. And that someone else like could be, you know, have ulterior, ulterior motives like towards your, um, your son. So. It's just something you got to be wary of. The biggest fear I had when he entered this relationship is that he was, and I could see it the first week, he had no experience in handling it, and it created a huge wedge between him and his everyday circle of friends. Yeah. And he was on the verge of losing some of them, and then his scoring per game went down, and his mom had huge issues. As long as you're you, you're not scoring 26 points a game, there's a there's a problem in your program. That's, I know it yeah. sounds weird. 26. That's yeah, very. Scoring his average 26 <laughs> points a game, or else, and he scored like one game he scored four, one game he scored two, and another game he scored maybe two. So yeah. that first week we had problems, but he didn't talk to me not one time about it. Not one time did he say, "Hey, Dad, what's up? Hey, Dad, this is not one time." And I got a little hurt because, you know, one of the things that we tell each other whenever we message each other is best son, best son ever. And he'll respond with best dad ever. Hmm. You know, I really pour myself into him because I was such, excuse my French, fuck up as a father with all my other kids. I was too young when I started or I had a yeah. business or I was consumed with being successful in my business I started. So I was the weekend dad, every summer dad. Good dad, but it's easy to be dad under those terms. But now I'm a full-time dad thanks to stereo, thanks to all the black fathers and all the black moms that talk about how important it is to not break up the family. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, uh, I've been listening to stereo for a year. And shout out to Smoke Break 215, as we know her here as, as a stereo legend. You know, she mm -hmm. gave me a lot of counseling off air. She would call me. She would check on me. She would hear me. She would listen to me. Love Smoke Break, would, yeah. Yeah, and she would explain to me how important it is to be a full-time father. And I never got it until she 
uh, coached me into the into how valuable that is. So here I am spending my entire time here now, almost a year, and I'm incapable of having these conversations because culturally I'm I'm offset. I, I'm I'm not. I really don't know what I'm doing sometimes. And then the second week he had his girlfriend. His mom and him had problems because he wasn't doing his chores around the house. He wasn't being communic- mm. communicating on a regular. He was forgetting all the things because he was in Gaga land. Yeah. Th- then the third week came along <clears throat> and the holidays gave us a split. And that's when she cut out those 100 lips with 100 messages. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, she's a stalker. She's the one in control. Oh, you're right. Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, I hope this doesn't go anywhere bad if the breakup happens. And then when I had to talk with him and I said, son. Does your girlfriend, father know about you? Does mm-hmm. does he know that you guys might have sex? And if that's the case, he's probably gonna get upset, especially especially if you get her pregnant. Yeah. And he got so uncomfortable in that conversation, he just stayed quiet. We were doing this over lunch. Now this is about a month where our normal dynamics are off, and I miss him. I miss our mm-hmm. talks. I miss playing with him. I miss hanging out with him because he's so consumed <clears throat> with the recourse of his friends lashing at him because he's not around and the challenge of having a girlfriend and of course i never saw pictures but his mom said they were posing in pictures of how couples do close to each other hugging each other nothing sexually provocative nothing socially wrong but i i didn't want to see those pictures i didn't want to see my little boy grow up yeah and then i started reminding myself of some of the tragedies that we've experienced on the internet by these young boys taking themselves taking themselves out because they're overwhelmed when it gets to this point, when when I guess, yeah. gets a hold of him, so right. we're gonna go ahead and address that after we get to these messages. Here we go with the mm-hmm. galactic space. Boom. Yes, I think I can match Mars the Black's cadence, his um, inflictions, afflictions. I don't know which iction. Uh, never mind. Bye. You know, I always think it's funny how people um, equate bad parenting to like the children having a stint of bad, a series of bad events in their lives, i.e. getting locked up or getting involved with drugs and stuff like that. But we rarely talk about the other side of that in that when you are a parent with rigid, you know, rules and stuff like that. And I'm not speaking to anyone in particular. I'm just saying in general, uh, it allows your child to be a perfectionist and perfectionism is very damaging to the psyche because we look at success like a successful thing but when you're a workaholic it's really really damaging to your organs and that's why you get people that commit suicide because of that rigid thinking yeah that's an excellent point it's 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 hard to acknowledge an excellent point from somebody who ends their last name with poo but I know where you're coming from. Intergalactic <laughs> space poop. The prototype, you know, man. Just listening to two cool dads, you know, just talking about dad stuff, chilling, stay spectacular. Uh, happy belated birthday to Martin Luther King, which we celebrate That's today. Right. And, That's um, right. Oh, man. Jones yeah. Boy. Shout out to Jones Boy of Stereo. His birthday's today. Woot woot. Thank you for bringing that up. Ah, shout out to Jones Boy. MLK day today. MLK. Hey, Unks, how you been? Can you say, what's up, Uncle Mars? <laughs> Uncle Mars. Uh... Can you say, Talofa? Talofa. Ah, Talofa, <laughs> oi. Somebody with a weekend dad, they range from a weekend dad to a holiday dad. 
I appreciate you being better. That's dope. But um, if you can, try to form, you know, and better relationships with your other children, too, because a lot of them still need you just as much. Um, and I don't know. I think they'd be open to that if you're not doing it already. Thank you for that. Eva. The last thing I'll say gym. is I can get the redo child. <laughs> what I mean by that, the redo child is a child. It's kind of like the child that's just like, I'll never do the things that I did with those other children with this child. But it's kind of like equally, if you've ever ridden a horse, they tell you do not squeeze the horse. If you squeeze the horse with your legs, it's going to take off. It's going to go fast and you're not going to be able to control it because you're squeezing it. And it's uncomfortable. But if you let your legs just enough security to where if you need my support, I'm here. Boy, you'll see a change. Wow, it sounds like my last third ex-wife. Hello <laughs> to both of you on the panel. Hope you both are having a wonderful, wonderful day. Shout out to the Brian audience for showing love and support. Um, I've been listening this whole time. Uh, I think for me, I think sometimes with teens in particular, in particularly, some things are just inevitable. <laughs> I think we can't keep our teens away from sex and from relationships because it's just human nature at the end of the day. So I think probably what would be best to do is really teach them and instruct them how to handle those relationships in a healthy way instead of being naive and thinking that we can keep them away from those type of relationships. At least that's what my mom did. And um, even when it came to having sex, you know, my sister didn't start having sex until she was 18 years old. And I still am keeping to myself. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it works. Darkness International Part 2. I just think it's just about transparency with your kids. And I think that's where a lot of parents mess up because it might be uncomfortable, but like it's necessary. Like my mom was very honest with us from the beginning, kind of similar to Mars. My family was very sex positive. I, I, okay, not about the fucking in the garden. I don't know what the, I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, my mom was very open with us though. Any questions that we had, you know, uh, regarding our bodies or even regarding sex, she would answer it. Um, you know, she was honest about protection and honest about not bringing kids home. And my mom's the one that told me what a fucking plan B was, you know, like she was just very, very honest with me. I have never needed to use it, but you know, she just knew that in case we were to do that, we would know all the necessary things we need to protect our bodies and to protect our future. So, yeah. That's an important conversation to have, contraception. Also, shout out to the parents. It's very hard to raise kids right now. And I mean, every generation has its obstacles, but yeah, like I feel like in this era, you have to deal with the internet somewhat raising your kids, whether you want to or not, unless you're going to raise them in the woods, which isn't a terrible idea, but then they won't be well acclimated to the way society is going, where we're basically just like augmented by the age of information. And one mm -hmm. more from Intergalactic Space. It's Pousse. It's Intergalactic Space Pousse. Okay? It's not Pooh. Pousse. Well, I don't know if I can say that word. <laughs> it just got worse. I just I just call her prototype. Okay, I'm, I'm going to call her prototype. I only saw what I saw. And I'm not, you know, hip with all these gamer tag names, <laughs> avatars. I don't know what's, why can't we just say one simple name? <laughs>
So two things right. I've noticed. You have a lot of fans on here, and that's awesome. And number two, all of a sudden, I feel a whole lot older. I mean, I'm, I'm, my head is hot right now because I'm a little embarrassed <laughs> by some of the things some of the women have said, and it makes me feel really outdated. But I really appreciate everybody stopping by and give us the uh, woman's perspective on how this very important topic affects our sons. I've learned yeah. a couple, I took a couple of notes down, and I really love what you said, Mars, about developing an environment where your son trusts you. I don't know why I didn't consider that. I just took it for granted that he should trust me because I'm dad, but I definitely want to get back to that uh, check mark and review that with my boy and look into myself to see what I can do to have him trust me and see where I'm at with that. Say, second thing I'm learning from you is about uh, having him feel safe. I guess you guys call it a safe space so that we can have yeah. these transparent conversations. That's the other thing I learned from you, but this, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be transparent about sex. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not that trendy, but I'll definitely, I have that in the back of my mind. And then one of the gals just left a wonderful comment. I wonder if it was Evan. I'm not sure, but they said about the redo child. Did you catch that? Oh, that was prototype. Yeah. That was prototype. Pro yeah. I really liked that comment about the redo child. Yeah. Um, that's what older, I'm, that's what I'm going job. through right now. I think you, yeah. you, your son right now is the, the, like you're doing everything that you, you know, you're learning from your past experiences and like, um, just how, you know, you could become a better father and stuff. Like, I feel like I had a cheat, you know, my dad was my cheat code, you know, because my dad was a, he was a very, he, he was a great father. So um, he wasn't the perfect father, but, you know, he's what I needed. So, yeah, I most definitely um, had the cheat code. And one thing my dad did was create that safe space, you know, so I learned from that. Um even my son now, like my my seventeen year old, like he could come talk to me, and now that my dad is gone, like me and him talk more often. So, um, yeah, um, I just you know my dad. How do you do that? Do you just do you just hang out and it happens? Do you do you follow a, a checklist? I mean, I, I'm I just like we do our job, then we leave our sons alone if we're not doing our job. But I'm finding out there's a whole lot of missing here. Um, I just, you know, with me and him, me and my son now, um, like I told you, like my mom, my mom came and took my son from me. Like she wasn't having, like she wasn't having him like, like the way me and my wife at the time was going through it. Like she wasn't having it. Like she was like, he's not going to be raised like this. Like you guys fight too much and you guys fight in front of him. Like. And I'm like, hold on, you used to fight, you and dad used to fight in front of us all the time. And she was like, she she had a point though, like, me and my wife's fighting was very toxic. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I was just blessed, you know, with having a, having parents that, you know, wanted to take my son. And um, I could take a lot of credit, like, but I won't, you know, I won't take any credit for, you know, the the good job they did with me and him. Like I told you, we're, we're like brothers. Like he looks at my mom, like his mom, like he still has love for my wife and stuff, but my mom is his mom. So what me and him talk is kind of like two, two of the guys talking, you know, and he could, um, he's very comfortable with like telling me stuff. Cause it's kind of like a brother, 
brother talk. I don't know how I'm gonna gauge this seven year old. Like he's a, he's pretty fast, man. He's already tired of my shit. Like he he's like <laughs> <laughs> he does it like yeah. Like I wow. try to be. I told you like I try to be cool, dad, with him, and he's looking at me like yeah. What the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> So yeah. And that's so odd because in our culture, those words don't even come out of our son's mouth till maybe they're in their teens. You know, I, I, it's gotta be that Catholic fear. I don't know what it is, but it really blows me away when I see a lot of sons talk to their moms, especially the white moms here in Southern yeah. California, the way they do. Like you can't talk to your Mexican mom like that. Otherwise there's a sandal flying right across the living room into your face. Oh man. Yeah. No, nah, that's the same here, man. Like, um, I, I couldn't cuss in front of my mom. You know, my son now, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. He's like, I feel like we're raising him with so much confidence. He thinks he could get away with anything. And then my mom spoils the hell out of him. So I don't know if we're raising like a evil genius or like a sociopath, you know? <laughs> so I just... <laughs> You just got to be, you know, I feel like, you know, either either way, you know, you just got to be there for them and you got to know they got to know that you're there for them. You can't just um, it's a space you got to create. You know, my dad, my dad did a great job at showing me how to do it. So I relatively like I could do that really well. So what's yeah. something that you and your son could do together that creates an automatic environment of just being so relaxed that you feel having that you can have an open conversation is it an activity is it a special place in the room is it a memory you start off with is it eating or cooking food together that creates that vibe i mean how do you how do you establish your that first step forward like how do you do that ah oh, this is awful um i'm a gamer so me and him game a whole lot um my 17 year old he's a gamer so we kind of like all of us like we game a lot and then like it kind of gets really competitive like you know you know how we grew up do you remember street fighter of course you know yeah. how like i was always you... vega the guy from spain oh vega's my he's guy like the weakest guy too you know no nah, he's not really vega's like a wall yeah oh man i guess i didn't play him right yeah, Vega's got he's super. That's that's another that's another um, topic, topic though. But <laughs> you get all excited all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, but we just usually just do basic stuff like we just um, we sit in our living room and you know um, just have family time. Um, oh man, I'm not gonna lie. Like Monopoly, Monopoly brings out the worst in people, but like at the same yes. time. At the end of the day, like we're we laugh about it, you know, because um, I taught, you know, it's just just little stuff like that, you know, go out with them, you know, go to the go to a baseball game, go to a Warriors game, you know, just just little stuff like that. Just spending time with them. Sounds something that very similar to what uh, uh, Stereo Legend smoke break 215 told me once he says leos he goes just you being in the house is enough like don't worry about it just be in the house he knows you're in the house you know he didn't gotta be telling you everything all the time just be in the house and be accessible 
Like, right. Okay, I thought that, yeah. And I, I like, like you, Mars, when I was young, I had three desktops in my living room and my son who was <laughs> uh, 14 and I was in my 30s and my girlfriend at the time, we would all be playing Counter-Strike on the PC. Oh, Counter-Strike, nice. And so we've had this history because my generation started Atari. We had this history of playing games. But as I got older, I felt like, you know, I got to stop playing Call of Duty or else I'm not going to get nothing done. Or otherwise, I'll be <laughs> under like six, eight hours. No problem. In fact, I have a I have a three-minute reel where I'm in Super Nuketown a year ago. Oh, man. And I must have had like an 18-kill streak. 18-kill streak because <laughs> I got the thermal lens. Nobody nice. can see me. I can see the heat. And I was just killing. And I grew up on Nuketown. I grew up playing tournament paintball. I have a mentality to want to pump myself up. And the next thing I know, I'm a gamer. And I realized I, I don't want to have an addictive <laughs> personality. But it did create a space where I saw a different side to my son. I saw the little yeah. man in him. you know. And now as you're talking and sharing what you're sharing, I'm thinking, ah, so so less hands-on, more, like Smokebrick says, be accessible and create a space where we're kind of hanging out, getting to know each other. Yeah. And then Let's maybe find out leading what into the like. conversation. Uh-huh. Find out what they like. Like my son, like, um, I wasn't disappointed in him when like he told, like, he told my dad, you know, like he didn't want to play football. Like, sounds familiar. Son, yeah, but you know, with me, like my dad, me and my dad, that was like our, our biggest beef right there. Like when I was, I didn't want to play football in my senior year. Um, I think my dad learned from that. You know, he learned. Um, me and him, it was a rift between us because of that. And you don't want to create those rifts between you and your child. You know, it's not a good thing and it's not a good space. Like even I stress your, your child, you, you know, I think we underestimate our kids to where we think, you know, stuff doesn't affect them when a lot, a lot of the things that we do affect them. I think everything we do affects them. Like if you don't show up. Um, I didn't show up for my son's, like, cause he's in theater and he had a play. Like I thought, you know, just by my wife being there, you know, that'll cut, you know, that it won't matter if I'm there. Like he was being super dramatic and catty towards me because I didn't show up. And I'm like, ah, shit, it's, it's cause of that. So you gotta like pick up on those type of things, you know? And we got to learn to pick up on some of the signs when it gets to a point when your son, in this particular case, starts to do things that don't seem to be normal. To I mean, be normal, yeah. I don't know yeah. how to have that conversation. Like, hey, son, what's going on? Like, are you getting too much TNA pictures? Hey, son, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, how do, you, how do you start that conversation? When I was a young man, we had Farrah Fawcett pictures on the wall. That's how old school right. I am. That's how we knew somebody <laughs> was into chicks. Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> Todd Father, welcome uh, to the show. Yeah, Farrah awesome. Fawcett. What's up, Todd um, Father? We're going to play some messages from Betty Boom Boom. I wasn't able to do much with my dad because he was so much older than I was. You know what I mean? He was 52 when I was born. So when wow. I started getting into sports, it's not like I could have a catch with my father and like that. But uh, when I turned 21, we, we were drinking buddies. You know? I mean, he was uh, oof, 70, 72, 73 when I turned 21. And uh, wow. yeah, he killed a case of fucking Miller Lite every weekend. Yeah, that was that was pretty much our bonding time, you know. But yeah, 
Monopoly nice. ruins families. I'm talking about <laughs> it causes divorce, domestic violence. <laughs> tell me I'm lying. Fucking tell me. I dare you. Ah, oh, man. I taught my sons how to be, like, so vicious in Monopoly. Like, um, they picked up on it, too. Like, my son, if he gets boardwalk or park, they, they hold it hostage just like I do. <laughs> Ah, they won't sell it for nothing unless they absolutely have to. <laughs> That's so awesome. I hate that game, but I only played it when my sons or boys and girls wanted to play it. Todd Father, welcome to the show. I am so happy that you made a little time here on the stereo streets to discuss a topic that has been brought Man, up a couple a times. Topic. Chris, because you don't know, brought it up two weeks ago on Rosé Show Table Talk, and nobody mentioned it, like nobody even acknowledged it. That's an important topic. So do your boys also do gaming? And have you considered the possibility that they're at risk for being catfished, in which case it could lead to some terrible things? Oh, man. The, well, first of all, the board games, they like to, my, all my kids like to play the board games, and I always tell them that board games are for people who are bored, and I'm not bored, so I don't have time to play the games. Um, right on. And... They, uh, but they do their gamers. They've been playing the games and stuff, and that's, it's actually, I use it as leverage more than anything else. They love playing the games, and they play with their friends and stuff, but I don't allow them to play with, you know, just openly on anybody on the internet kind of deal. They have a little group of friends that they all play sports with together, and and uh, it's hard to monitor because it's not something I know really a lot about, but I try to do, I try to do my best on, you know, keep an eye on what they're doing with that kind of stuff. But I, uh, I, I really try to limit it. Uh, what's really crazy is I, our time that we spend together is I, I, <laughs> I drag them outside to go work with me. And they're always like, oh, I don't want to. But man, when they get out there and they're working on, working on cars or we're, we're building fence or we're, you know, whatever it is that we're working or doing, I always, uh, I always bring them out to, to spend time with working with me. Cause they, they hate. They, at first, they all, none of them really like to do it. But, um, but man, when they get done, I don't know. I think that's probably one of the biggest things for kids to, for boys in particular, is finding their value in their work. Right? That they they feel like they've accomplished something. Um, we changed oils on oil. We changed the oil on a couple of vehicles that we have um, the other day, and and they man, they got by the time they got done, you know, they they really thought a lot of themselves being able to to you know to do something now they now they had like a skill you know it was cool i love how mars was saying don't un don't underestimate your kid and and i mm. started thinking about that and you know to me it was like a growth spurt one minute he's got long beautiful blonde hair with a boyish face and he was like that till about 10 or 11 then he gets into junior high school in the last two years a transition happened and the next thing you know he's in high school and i almost feel like I'm having to get to know him all over again because his whole approach to life, his dynamics, even yeah. the way he talks is different. And then you throw a girlfriend into the mix and then you throw catfishing and suicide <clears throat> potential into the mix. To the mix. Mm. And the next thing I know, I'm catching myself making terrible decisions. I was so upset with how things were developing after three weeks, how he's handling this new relationship, how he's entering it, how he's not talking about it, how he's not being available with the responsibilities here at the house with his mom. And I just took all that and bundled it up, and, and I got angry, and I just felt like, you know what? I'm not going to show up to his basketball games no more. If he doesn't want to talk to me, why should I support him? But I knew oh, no. in my gut, 
right? That's like the <laughs> stupidest thing you can do. So when Mars said, and I quote you, Mars, I took notes. He says, don't show up. Like your son was letting you know that you didn't show up to that play. Yeah, that was, that was man. Big. So I'm so glad <laughs> you brought that up because, you know, I was hurt. I was disappointed. And I thought, man, am I messing up again? And I'm so glad I not once, not once that I act on that. I just kept going to the games no matter what. And the next thing you know, he breaks up with her because he wants to focus on sports. He doesn't want to be tied down. And he did all this on his own. And I'm like, oh, God, yeah. I would have been such an idiot if I would have made things worse by not showing up to even one game. Mm-hmm. I think that's the hard think... part about being a father is you you have to make the effort to move towards them. You can't I – want, I want them to want to come and do stuff with me, and I want them to join in what I do. But And that's the hard part that I have because I want them to do what I want to do. But I, to be a good dad, I have to go and, and meet them where they're at. I, I think that's really the hardest thing because you have to you have to kind of sacrifice what you're doing to, to move into them. We had – I had two – last season we had, had a boy, one boy in junior high football, one in high school football, one in junior high volleyball, and one in high school volleyball. So we had like four – you know, like they're practicing four to five times a week after school, and they've got at minimum four games a week that we had to go to that – me and my wife figured it up that we had to budget $230 into our budget just to pay to get into every game that we went to of our kids. It was nuts. We were wow. like, that's all we did, you know, was just going to game after game after game. But, um, and mm. they, it meant, I, you know, they never said, but man, you know, that meant so much to them. I didn't miss a single game that I just absolutely could not miss. You know, I went to them all. Right on. Right on. We got a message from Sweet Black Tea. Hi, Mars. Congratulations on the baby. Yes, God bless you and your family. I hope you had a very safe and successful delivery. Todd, father, Uncle Leo, shout out to the panel, shout out to the audience. And I hope that you all enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for stopping by at the show, kiddo, part two with Sweet Black Tea. Wait a second. Is that where the word motherfucker came from? Oh, I didn't even consider that a possibility, but it makes sense. They did every disgusting, dehumanizing, and savage-like thing to us that they could think of. Just evil and wicked. Um, I'm really saddened to hear that, and I think that's where some of the, um, I think that's where some of the hereditary diseases, such as like, um, what is it called? Multiple sclerosis and, uh how do you say, um, deformities and Down syndrome. I think that's where a lot of that comes from in the black community. Not necessarily because they partook in that on their own free will, but because they were forced and then it remained in the bloodline. It's just so sick. I'm lost. Yeah, I have gotten a lot out of dealing. I'm sorry, having a conversation with Mars of Black this past week. I've learned a lot about your football endeavors in high school, the riff or the wedge that it created between you and your dad once you decided that you, it wasn't for you and how it took about a year for you guys to get back on track. And now getting the second part where your oldest boy had a relationship with your dad before his passing. And like you said, Mars, it's like the redo child syndrome. We're better at it. We, we have a, a, another try and we're learning from yeah. past yeah. mistakes. My older kids, my oldest daughter, the Jewel, 
of my eyes. I was just so in love with her when she was born. Being a hardcore Christian as a young man did not help <laughs> speak about sexual issues the way I needed to. So I got married very young, 18, a virgin, had my first child at 2021. 20, and uh, so she, so I'm 54, she's now 34. And when I visit her and my grandchild in Texas, Arlington, she would confide in me and say, Dad, I'm a little jealous because you treat honor. That's my my 15-year-old right now, honor. You treat honor yeah. with so much more attention and, and you've given him so much love. And I, I wish you would have been more like that. And I go, well, Miha, I have to apologize. I was a young, inexperienced male and a very even more inexperienced father. And All so right. this redo concept, whether it's the grandfather doing it or an uncle or the dad, um, it has some value to it. It's learning from our mistakes. But I get more out of talking to good dads like you or Todd Father. There's a couple of other guys on here like King Gene, uh, big boy, that constantly bring up the value of being at home, the value of connecting to your dad. And just to kind of bring it all the way around, Todd Father said, you have to make the effort. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Go ahead, Morse. So the effort for me is relatively easy. Like, <laughs> I don't mean, I don't want to sound like that. But... You? My God. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's just like, um, I th- I guess it's because I want to, you know, like I I want to be, I want to be involved. Like, I want to be there for like both of my boys and like. Um, like I said, man, like I, I, I keep repeating myself. Like my dad was my cheat code. He taught me everything, like to be there, to be present, you know? Um, even when me and him were like beefing and everything, like we were you know, he was still always there for me. But it was just, you know it's just pressure. And I think um back to the subject of the um you know, the that teen who committed suicide, I think it's just high school pressure, like relatively, you know, because um, you've got the social life and then you have your family life. If like your social life at school is horrible and then like um, you go home to like, um, and you have more pressure there and you know, all this pressure everywhere, like, kids are going to want to, you know, they're going to want to express it and they need to get it out some way. And sometimes that drives kids to like over the edge, you know, cause there's too much pressure. And I don't think, I think you got to kind of gauge that too of how much pressure you're putting on your, your children. Cause sometimes it's not fair, you know, and that's why you have to be involved as much as you can and with your kids, because um, you don't know what's going on with them, like at school. You know, so you have to have you have to have the dinners with them. You have to sit down as a family. You have to, you know, while you're having dinner, ask them questions, you know. Um, um, just, you know, just gauge, gauge as much as you can with your children, because, you know, um, stuff could fall under the radar because we get busy. Like, you know, like being adult, like making, you know, making a living for your um, for all your kids. Stuff could fall under the radar, so you have to make sure that you know what's going on um, in all of your children's lives, you know, because it's just important. And it could make the difference of whether, 
you know, they want to commit suicide or, or not. You could, you could be the difference maker because, you know, you're, you're their parent. It amazes me how much of an impact we have on our boys, especially our boys, and we don't even know it. So when it comes to gauging, how do we start that conversation? How do we analyze that? So I want you guys to both to give me some scenarios, specifically with, son, I noticed you've had a woody erection for the last seven days. Do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> I'm a comedian, and I would say something like that. But I mean, how do you, how do you guys approach yourself to start that conversation? Let's get into it as we hear these messages first. Uh, I'm just happy my daddy did not allow my mother to tear us apart and keep us apart. But it's really unfortunate how many women out here taking their sons away from their fathers all because of resentment and bitterness and anger and pride and ego. It's it's really devastating because there's some really good men out there that want to be there for their children. And, you know, the states... Um, the justice system does not have fathers uh, in mind. They don't have favor with them. Um, you know, um, I have a sister that did her husband so wrong, and he said he had to join a, a group, you know, with fathers that are going through what he's going through. I don't think, you know, women are realizing how much damage they're doing by denying a man who wants to be a father his children. Yeah, boy, I could tell you stories on that. For yeah, sure. the, um, the amount of the suicide rate uh, amongst teenagers has skyrocketed since I was in high school. I mean, that was 28 years ago. Um, we had one kid that, that did do it, uh, shot himself. But had the internet existed back then, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, like all the social media and stuff like that, I think it would have been a shit show, to be honest with you. Complete shit show. But, but I mean, not that right now isn't anyway, but you know what I mean. Man, if I agree. But there was that time at the beginning of this whole, you know, change in the pandemic and everything else that um, I'm, I made a resolve to be the place that my kids and all their friends want to go hang out. And so I was lucky, man, that I had, I've got a covered arena that I ride horses on. And, and so I took that and on a couple of nights. So like on a Friday night or a Saturday night, we had a, It'd, I'd take my round pen that I worked horses in. I'd let the kids play Gaga ball in there, and I'd set music out and put lights up, and I'd put out in the arena and made a sand volleyball court, and then I bought a whole bunch of flashlights for they all played flashlight tag out in the woods and stuff, and, and, we, and we'd had like 30, 40 kids running around sweating like pigs and just running like mad <laughs> and having a big time, and um, and and – and just made for such a cool community for all of them to come out and play and, and learn how to play and, and interact with each other. Um, it, I think that saved my kids from having all these issues. It was all, it was during this whole time that they're all turning into teenagers and God, man, it was so hard for them not to go out and hang out and be with their friends and stuff. So I just made it to where they had a place to be able to come and, and do something. But there, the, one of the things that you were saying earlier, Leo, Leo was about, um, when uh you know what do you do about having to talk with them and i think one of the one of the funny observations was that i told my kids that um and, and it really pertains to me more than anything else is that i have there's a reason why god gave me one mouth and two ears that i should listen twice as much as i talk and and i think that instead of necessarily always lecturing about what they need to do or what you know making sure that you're there to listen to them so they have a place to be able to 
a safe place to be able to talk and, and tell you about the things that they maybe they feel like they shouldn't talk or they can't talk about. Um, you know, but I, I think that's one of the biggest things is being able to, to listen to your kids so that you know where they're coming from. That reminds me of Benny Boom Boom's comment earlier where he said there was such a large uh, age difference between him and his dad that I'm mm-hmm. curious, Benny, did you notice any thing missing in your life? Do you wish you would have had something in lieu of that age difference? I mean, I'm sure you would have liked him to have, you know, be closer to you, but I'm curious, like, what effect did it have on you? Did it not have an effect on you? You're saying you were in your 21 having beers with him and he's 70. I'm curious about your awareness, if it had an effect on you, good or bad. Uh, I did not have a dad, typical here in Southern California, a lot of broken families. I never saw my dad, never met my dad. I hear, though, from my family, excuse me, that I was pretty tight with him, that up until the age of three, I was like his jewel. My mom moved away, and then I never saw him again or heard from him again. Mm. But, But I didn't think that was a bad thing because my mom was like my dad. Like my mom was really, really strong. But now as I get older and I see my shortcomings and I see my lack of experience and I see my awkwardness when I'm trying to talk about something because I don't have a problem talking, not at all. But I realize the generations mm-hmm. today that are mainly gamers. And since COVID lockdown happened here in Southern California, we were locked down for almost two years, for, especially for schools going on Zoom, unlike Texas. It, it had an adverse effect on our development of our social skills. So he's not a talker. I am. However, we're talking about football highlights, basketball highlights, statistics, uh, the goats of basketball, the goats of football, even soccer, MMA, boxing. When, when we're in a regular conversation, all of a sudden I feel like I'm in a different space. And this is what I'm getting out of Mars especially is to do things that are relatable to them and create that space of openness and friendliness. And what I'm getting out of Todd Father is something that I'm really good at, but I thought this is all I had to do. Creating the action, creating the effort, taking the initiative. That's what men do. Men lead by example. We're very hands-on. If it's tangible, we can get it done. But that's not cerebral enough either. And that's why I love gaming so much because you're in this chess-oriented cerebral space where you gotta think two or three moves ahead and you can give props to the player or your son for giving you a knife to the head when you thought you were going to shoot him when you were reloading in Call of Duty. There's <laughs> this little like, whoa, what a crazy stat Right. And all of a sudden we're friends yeah. again. And that's, that's <clears throat> something special about fathers and sons is that we are, we are going to be friends, not just, you know, not just father and son. I'm getting a whole lot out of this conversation. Let's continue to keep it going. But first, some messages. Here we go. My baby brother went through that and he said that he wished that he had what we had when dad was young and strong and oh my god my dad was freaking amazing and you know he only got to see the old shrivel up dad he didn't get to see the powerful man that we knew that taught himself to be an architect published books became a millionaire had multiple uh businesses multiple properties i mean my dad was amazing and i felt him when he said that i was like man i wish you had dad when we had dad too so awesome thank you for that it it did have an effect on me um the mere fact that all my friends their parents were in their 40s you know you know mid to late 40s when when they graduated high school and you know yeah my dad is 70 years old you know when i graduated uh yeah i i I missed out on on watching you know my my best friend jason at the 
time playing catch with his dad, and, you know, playing wiffle ball and shit like that. You know, my father's eyes started going at the, about that age where he couldn't couldn't see the ball, and I was throwing hard enough where I probably would have killed the man because he probably would have missed it completely. I'd hit him in the fucking head. That would have been my luck. But uh, yeah, things like that. I, I wish wish I had. But we found a way to bond, and it was uh, through Miller Light. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Thank you for that, Benny. Mm-hmm. It's finding ways you could bond, like with like your 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 son. You know, like it's really easy. You just gotta you gotta figure out what they like, and then you know you gotta kind of get into it too. Like, um, um. But you know, I say it's it's really easy for me because my son's like what I like. So, so yeah. what does that conversation hey, really go crazy. ahead, talk father? Uh, I just was thinking about that, like them showing up at me showing up at all their deals and their sports and stuff. <laughs> it's crazy, is that it? So I'm 53, and um, and I did a I did a uh, I'm gonna do another one this year, but I I competed in a, a jujitsu tournament. Uh, last year. Oh, nice. And, uh, oh, wow. Dude, dude, my dad is 78 and he showed up. Like, that's freaking crazy. That's that my awesome. Dad, 78, like, still shows up. He shows up awesome. at my sporting events. He still shows up. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my dad showed up, at, like, and, and thinking about it, like, I mean, that, you know, my kids and my wife were there and everything else. But my dad was there too. Like, that was cool. And I still. Like I still appreciate my dad showing up, and I'm I'm like I'm an old freaking old man, and and it still makes it still <laughs> means something. Like I'm still a son too, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. My it son and I are supposed to start jujitsu this year, and I'm waiting for the summertime. Nice. And I decided that he needs Dude. to do something, and I hear I'm a big Joe Rogan fan, so I love jujitsu, and I want to be able to do that with him. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. Let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit. How do you have that conversation? By dealing with Mars at the beginning of the show, I realized I'm behind. As usual, I'm a late bloomer. Mars was saying some kids develop a little sooner. Culturally speaking, that could have an impact on how your mind takes on the whole concept of sex, relations being involved physically. But I, I make a joke out of it. I go, son, you've been in the shower like a lot this week lately. You have a good <laughs> uh, We should probably talk about the birds and the bees. Uh, and I'm concerned that you're, you may or may not be aware of the catfishing dilemma that's going on where some young men don't know how to handle the pressure of being blackmailed by sexting. So there's a whole lot to unveil there, a whole lot, a lot of layers there. Let's go ahead and consider how we would have that conversation with our son. First, this message, and then we get into it. Oh, Benny, my daddy's blind too. And he's such a pimp still. Like, he's still a player. Like... He can't see women, but he hear a woman, he be like, ooh, baby, you sure do sound beautiful. <laughs> My daddy's a mess. <laughs> the smoothness never leaves. Right, right. Part two. Yes, I mean, I'm a woman. I'm sorry, I'm just rolling around in the city. I'm sorry for the noise. I'm a woman, gentlemen, and my dad. Okay, let's go. What do you think, guys? How do you have that conversation? The birds and the bees? Uh, the, the birds and the bees, but really more, son, there's something going on. Some young boys don't know how to handle being blackmailed by sexting. Are you involved in sexting? Do you, are you a fan of it? I mean, I don't even know how to approach the conversation. Like, like how do you have um, that dialogue? 
I think you just take them to a place where, um, not even take them to a place, like kind of take them to like an area or do an activity that they're really comfortable and just like casually bring it up. Um, I, so with my son now, like I'm still trying to um, see when he starts asking these questions. Usually they tend to ask you these questions um, on their own if they're very comfortable with you. Um, right now, my seven-year-old is asking me questions that I thought he was going to ask later on in his life. Like at 10, he's already asking me stuff. So, you know, you just have to be prepared and, um, and you know, be equipped to have the conversation and not really make them feel awkward about it because, you know, kids... Kids are natural. They're sponges. They could act. They already know when things are like awkward. So don't make it awkward for them, and just uh, you know, kind of just uh, just be informative and like um, be ready to answer any questions that they have. Um, or you know, just at, tell let them know. You know, if you want to know something, you know. I'm open to um, to the conversation. You always just have to be open, you know, for um, let your kid know that, you know, you care about what they're going through, you know, just open up a safe space, like um, I said earlier. So I, I would just, you know, I would just say that. I think that uh, you, have to you have to create the environment. Um, like, like, I think what makes you know, Mars easier to be able to do that is because it's not the first time he's trying to talk to him. Like it's, you've, you've created a dialogue and you have conversations. I do, I have a, I have a, a podcast room that, um, that's kind of like my man cave and my, my place where I do that. And, and my son, all of my kids know that, you know, if we need to, you know, that's a place where we can go hang out we can go read. They can like play their music or whatever. And, it's a place where we can go in and have conversations. And, and I actually recorded one of the conversations with my older son a while back and we just talked about whatever, but you can tell that it's not like a, the first time we've had, we have a dialogue, you know, that we have, it's part of that relationship is having that com those conversations and, and conversations about, you know, all kinds of stuff, whatever they're interested in. But because I have the conversations around what they're interested in it opens the door to have that because we have that relationship it's not the first time we talked about something serious you know mm. it may be serious to them it's you know like to what they think is is serious is like i'm always like man that, like, that's not even anything to worry about they think it's like life ending or something and, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I gotta respect that right i gotta respect right. that it is life ending to them like you know my son my oldest son had a deal the other day that he was talking to a girl on text messaging and, and I can, I can see his text messages and, and the little girl, I know her and I know her father and mother and, and they're pretty strict on stuff and they check her text messages too. And Oh my God, they had some kind of dialogue about, you know, something, you know, like I want, I, I'd like to kiss you or something like that. And it was, to me, it was like, man, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty benign. I mean, that, that's normal for a 16 year old to have the conversation, but it opened up the opportunity to have a conversation with him about, you know, 
she's not just an object. She's not a picture that you're looking at. She's actually a little girl and that her dad thinks a whole lot of her. And when you're right. you're saying these things, she has a value. Like she, you know, her, that's not just a picture. That's a little girl. That's a, that's a daughter. And that's, uh -huh. that's someday, someday that's going to be somebody's, that's going to be somebody's wife. So if that someday, it might be that there's a little girl out there that's going to be your wife. So right. you want boys, you want boys talking to her like that? Like, do you want boys treating her like that? That's your future wife someday. That's somebody's future wife is somebody's future mom. And like you need to treat her like she is your future wife or your Most definitely, yeah. And it puts a different look on him, right? Then he's looking at her going, oh, she's not just an object or, or you know, that. Then it, it, it adds, it adds value to it. Um, yeah. And makes it real, makes it real. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about Mars laughing at me when I said to him, you know, in seventh, eighth grade, we were looking at Farrah Fawcett posters on my best friend's wall, <laughs> where they totally objectified. They objectified oh, Farrah Fawcett, oh, man, damn. That, we're not thinking of somebody's mom or somebody's sister, somebody's aunt. We're thinking Farrah Fawcett. So right. We, def we definitely need these reminders that, yeah, they're, they're human beings that we should value. Uh, thank you, Todd Foth, for always reminding us of that. Here we go with some more messages. I'm so sorry, but my son's dad is not there, and I need you guys' wisdom and provision because there's things that I do, and then I'll meet a guy, and he'd be like, you need to stop doing this because you're about to turn your son into a punk, and I'm like, oh, snap. You know, there's things that I can't teach my son. And Benny Boom Boom. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Benny wasn't... Uh... He was kind of like figure out on your own kind of guy, you know. He was a tough Italian bastard, so Italian <laughs> <laughs> Spanish son of a bitch bastard. He wasn't gonna teach me anything. He was kind of mentality like figure it out, you piece of shit. <laughs> but we used to fish out fucking playboys out of the fucking dumpster. That that was that was our sex thing, and it was one way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But, okay, guys, I have an autistic son, so I don't have the fortunate blessing of just hearing his mind. I have to figure it out. And I notice when I figure it out and I talk to him, and I thank God for my dad and my brothers and my uncles and my cousins because I need male perspective. It's unreal. Um, but overall, you know, my dad, like, he taught me archery. He taught me how to shoot a gun. He taught me how to drive. He taught me how to fix a car. He taught me how to change my oil. He taught, he taught me how to do a tune-up, you know? And it's like, should I just go ahead and just do that? But it's like, it don't feel the same, you know? Like, if I show my son, it's just like, I need a man to show him. I just don't feel the same. <laughs> and it's like, what are the questions you're... you're your eight-year-old been asking what are maybe i'm i want to make sure i hit all points because i notice he get frustrated and and until we have a conversation that's when he gets in better spirit mm. i gotta ask you i don't have children um but i don't know i you know you guys be fathers and stuff like that um is there a line in which you guys won't cross you know in terms of like, you know because kids especially at 16 years old they want their privacy a little bit but I mean, unfortunately, nowadays where you guys are probably forced to uh, monitor a little closely than when we were growing up, you know, because there was only one phone in the house, you know, so in the phone stretched from the kitchen all the way to my bedroom, father used to trip over the cord and swear. But, uh, 
but yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Like, um, what line do you draw? Like, okay, well, maybe I'm just being a little too nosy or what? I'm just curious. Dude, Farrah Fawcett in Cannonball Run. Oh, my God. That tight white leather suit. She's driving a Lamborghini. With hey, that that's shit. somebody's like monitor talking dude about. From Dukes of Hazzard. Oh, God. Have mercy. Oh, man. For me, it was Farrah Fawcett, like. Just in those Daisy Dukes, um, <laughs> Farrah Fawcett, Logan's Run, that pencil skirt. Oh my God, I will never, That's just burning images in my head. But we're getting off subject. <laughs> it is hard yes. to remind, remember what Todd Father said. This is someone's mom, someone's sister, someone's. Because yeah. here in America, it's about <laughs> hey, if you're a baller like the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, how many women do you got? Hey, if you're a baller. Like, whatever celebrity you want to put out there. I remember Magic Johnson was notorious for having four to eight women in one night just for him after the game and their private parties in the jacuzzi and all. Yeah. But that's somebody's mom. That's somebody's sister. That's somebody's aunt. Okay, I get it. But we're not programmed like that, culturally speak, pseudo-culturally speaking in this country. Mm -hmm. So to have a conversation with my son and say, you know, I like what Todd Father said. You know, that's that's somebody's daughter. It's gonna be somebody's mom, and we have to realize we're gonna grow up to that. Do you really want to date a hoe, son? Well, anyway, what we, what we want to do is we want to establish some guidelines for sure. And uh, my biggest concern is I don't, and I like what you guys said because the more you guys talk, the more I feel, man, I got a lot of work to do. Man, I got a lot of work to do. For example, don't make it awkward for them. Be open. I love how Mars said that. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Because when like, you, okay. you make spaces, when you make your spaces awkward, right? And I've seen my older brother do this with, like, his son. Like, he just, like, he's very impatient and, like, he's very, and I'm not trying to put him, I'm not trying to talk down on him. I'm just using him as an example. Like, when you shut your, your son down, right? When you shut, when you, anytime you shut them down, they're, they're going to retreat. It's just a natural reaction. So you don't want to do that with your, do you want, yeah, you got to ask yourself, like, do you want that type of relationship with your child to where they're going elsewhere and creating surrogate fathers, like surrogate fathers for themselves, and they're learning elsewhere? Or do you want to take the responsibility and, you know, be there for them and, you know, guide them and, you know. I so, think yeah. that would be one of the biggest reasons why someone would go to the arms of another. Like, yeah. from what I'm getting out of this is if dad and son are having a beef or they're not getting along really well, he's going to go to a, what you call a surrogate dad or a surrogate source and probably some cute girl on the other line is willing to endorse and support everything the son is saying. I'm on your side. I get you, mm -hmm. baby. I totally know where you're coming from. They should appreciate you more. They should love you more. If you were with me, I'd take care of you. If you were with me, I'd give you all my time. I'd get you. I know you. By the way, send a dick pic. What? How do you that in? <laughs> right. What? They do that a lot, man. Like, and, you know, I think you got to be, you got to educate your, your children. Like, we, like, as a whole, you just got to. You got to be more there for your your children like more often like i i feel like we get caught up with work a lot and then we kind of lose sight of um you know what's going on with i know i'm guilty of it sometimes you know like sometimes 
I get stressed out at work and then like I'll come back and I'm not really mindful and I'm not really 100% there. So I think another good thing is like having a good partner. Like my wife is an excellent partner because, you know, I, I married her for a reason. She keeps me in line. She tells me like when, you know, when I'm slacking, you know, like she tells me how I handle, you know, when I'm not handling our son right. So, yeah, I think it's that's another effective way of like being an effective father. Um, Palladian Star wanted to know like, um, like the questions that um, like kids ask. I think so. When I address that, like my seven-year-old, he has um, my seven-year-old still like in the icky phase. He thinks girls got cooties, you know. Like that's so um, cute. But one thing I noticed, like, um, when I go to, like, um, the PTA meetings and stuff, and when I go to, like, pick him up, um, there's a girl in his class um, named Isabella, like, um, and he's really mean to her, but, like, I know, you know, I, I already know that she likes him because, like, uh, she draws him pictures and then... Um, I went through his backpack and he had like he he tore the picture in half. And I'm like, <laughs> why'd you do that, man? And then he's like, but he kept it. He kept it so That's what's I so know. Funny. Yeah, I'm like, why did you tear this in half? He was like, cause I don't like her. Like she always tries to hold my hand, Dad. Like at lunch, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, like yeah. And then he asked he asked me like. Um, so, like, is me and Isabella going to be like you and mom? Wow. And then I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, son. Like, you're going to have to determine that. And then he was like, I don't want that to happen. He's just funny. <laughs> He's just funny like that. You know, it's just hilarious. So, yeah, just as long as you're involved with your kid like that, I think, you know, parenting is relatively easy. And um, I say that, but, you know, I I don't mean to, like, just say it like that, but, you know, I had my father and my mom, so, you know, I got best of both worlds. So I feel like, you know, I got a leg up on it. And, you know, a lot of people don't, and I understand it. And I commend the people who, you know, who are at least putting effort into doing it. So, yeah. And I can't imagine doing it alone. I I think that's so, that's something that me and my wife, um, I'm, I'm the same way, Mars, my mom and dad. My dad's 78, my mom's 76. They're still married. Same, you know, they, never, they were the first, they got married when they were like, I don't know, 22 and 20 and 19, yeah. something like that. And they're still together. They still live in the same house I grew up in. Um, you know, so my kids get to see, you know, grandparents that are sticking together. They still argue, <laughs> you know, they, they do all that stuff. But I, I, I think one thing that was the hardest thing that I ever did was when we, we adopted three of our kids and mm. our sibling set. So we went from one kid to four kids overnight. And literally nice. like they dropped them off overnight. It was like, holy smokes, what did I just do? And it was probably one of the hardest things that we ever did. But um, when one of the things that we promised for each other was that we wouldn't quit on the same day. Like there could be days like, man, I was just done. I was done, done, done. I was ready to go back to 
my regular life of, you know, being a lot yes. more about me and I could have whatever, right? And that's yes. the struggle is like, God dang it, man. I just, I just want to have me time. I just want to do what I want to do for a little bit yes. of stuff. And, and there's times when you're going to have that. But, uh, but whenever I felt like that, she didn't quit. You know, yeah. so she, she picked up where I didn't. And, and there was days where she had had enough of telling everybody to pick all this stuff up and she's losing it and whatever, you know, I think, one of the best examples that I did as a father, I've done as a father is not be perfect, but actually um, I'm, I'm pretty quick to tell my kids, I'm sorry. Like, and, I, and, and repent, like show them. Oh man. That's so important. Know, yeah. It's so important <laughs> that like, man, cause I thought the hardest thing that I can do is the worst thing I could feel like I do is try to be perfect and then sit around and tell them like, this is how you got to live and be some kind of example that they can't be. Um, yeah, I've always been really honest with them and going like, man, and I, you know, God, I, I hate that I yelled at you. Like I, I, and I yelled at you because, you know, it's silly for us to sit here and pretend like I don't ever yell at my kids. Like, I, I think I, I'm an, I'm a good dad because I'm present, but, it, you know, but I'm also doing bad things too. Like I, I yell at my kids, I lose my shit, you know, I get frustrated, but yeah. I don't sit and, you know, just blame them for why I'm feeling like I'm the first one to come back and go like, man, so that's not what I want to be. That's not, that's not the kind of father I want to do. And, and I'm sorry that I did. And this is how we fix those things. This is how we, we do those. And it's the same thing for when you become a dad or you become a husband and, or, or a wife, you know, that you need to understand the best thing you yeah. can be is that's the best thing you do is humble yourself and go like, man, I'm sorry. You know, if I can teach them to be, to, to do that, like they're going to have, they're going to have better relationships. They're going to be able to, man, they're going to be successful in business and life and everything. If you, right. If you acknowledge your own shortcomings. To structure relationships. Yeah. Like to, yeah. and I love that you said that, man, because like I say, I praise my father a lot. One thing that my dad never did was apologize. Yep. Like never ever yeah. like my dad never apologized so like i would be at odds with him all the time like um um because you know like low-key like i'm me and him are the same person so when me and him have a fallout it takes a long time for you know my mom to pull us back together because none of us are gonna say sorry but you know i think what i had to learn is um I have to learn to say sorry, you know, and the fact that you're good at saying sorry, like, that's amazing because, like, I, it's so hard for me to admit that I'm wrong because, you know, I picked that up from my dad and I'm trying to unlearn it. I, so, practice it. I, I get to practice it a lot because I screw up a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Todd, father? Was your dad and your relationship with your dad very similar to how you're now interacting with your kids? Or was there something specific? Because there's a generation and, and a cultural difference. Is there something specific that just stands out that you learned this is a powerful tool to raising kids? Like, yeah. how was that relation? How did that look like? So my dad was, um, I think my dad was a lot better dad than I am. Uh, he, uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't that somebody that, you know, raised his voice very, not very much. And um, I think sometimes that was bad, too, because he just held stuff in. He did. He could be the one that would, um, he just shut down and not talk to you for three weeks. 
and and me, I might you know lose it and yell, but you know about three hours later, I'm going like, dang, yeah, man, I'm sorry. You know, I, like I, I hate that. I hate that part of me. I don't like that part of me. Um, so I'm a little different. Um, but I think I I, so I almost have to overdo it because my my kids are uh, my kids are not real big. I'm I'm six foot three and like two ten. And, and, and then I, I do jujitsu all the time. Like, I love that kind of stuff. And then I'm, you know, I'm even taller because I'm wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. And I, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I can tower over people so I can be, I don't, sometimes I don't realize how overbearing I can be, but so I almost like overcompensate the other direction by going like, man, I can't be, I can't be so overbearing. I don't want to be that guy that, you know, you're doing it because you're intimidated by me. You're doing it because you love me. That's what I want. Uh, so I have, right. to, I have to, what I want my kids to be like, I have to emulate that. I have to do that. So, you know, I have to be, I feel like I have to double down on it. My dad wasn't, you know, as, as big a guy. I'm, I tower over my dad, but, um, and my wife is like five, four, five, five, my, you know, so it's just kind of like, I feel like I'm a mountain in the house. <laughs> but, but, and it's same thing for my daughters. Like, I think it's really important for my girls that, you know, because I can be overbearing and, and big and, you know, my voice gets loud and stuff like that. I, I, I think that's why I'm, I'm, that's where I'm different than my dad. Um, but no matter what, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, and I can't stress it enough is, is just how you just had to be there. You, you can do it wrong. But the biggest part about it, my dad, my dad did plenty of things that were wrong, but like, but he's always still there. Um, I still talk to him. I still talk to him a couple times a week, get on the phone, we talk and hang out. And he's always, you know, he's talking about, you know, whatever crazy thing he's got now is, you know, whatever he's building or whatever he's doing now is he's always just like trying to do, do, do. Uh, We got a message. Go ahead. Go ahead. The other day on. He's 78 years old, and I caught him the other day on top of an eight-foot ladder with a chain, with a big chainsaw pole, chainsaw cutting trees. <laughs> oh man, now that's a man, that's man right there. Oh, right, right. You know, it's funny because he did have that phase, but now that he's 12, he really likes girls, and that he's autistic. I tell him, son, women love to talk. You gotta say hi. What's your name? You can't just stare. So I, it's, it's a little complicated, him being autistic, but he seems to understand what I'm saying. So when we go to the beach, he don't be staring at, he like white women. He like white girls. He likes Spanish girls. He don't like black women that much. Like she gotta be a special kind of black woman for him to be like trying to flirt with her. So that's cute. I think that's adorable that he's like playing hard to get. <laughs> that is so yeah. cute. That is, and thank you for con- your sharing with that. Uh, you know, I, when I hear these messages from some of our gals, some of our ladies in the stereo streets, it makes me realize how my mom and I had a relationship, right? I'm raised by a, a single parent, and you guys were talking about how hard it is to apologize or how important it is to apologize, but I'm a lot like Mars. Like, my mom made it a point that if you did something that totally displeased her, she wouldn't talk to you for like two or three weeks. So I'm sitting at the dinner table. I'm 13 oh, years damn. old, and my mom says to my brother, tell your brother to pass the salt. Tell your brother if he wants more to go to the kitchen. And I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> Listen, I remember there was one time where she didn't talk to me for 10 or 11 months. 
ever. What? Oh, yeah. I can tell you stories where I was in my 20s, and she would take two to three years, and she wouldn't talk to me at all. Oh, she would Lord. rather literally disconnect from my life than say I'm sorry or let's talk it out. And so I never learned to apologize. I never, I never learned to take things apart. I, 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 I wasn't until probably my late 30s when I finally had the balls to say, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I need to get some therapy. Maybe I need to verbalize, son, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. You know, I, I, it took a long time to say those things. So if you already have a handle on that, if you're a dad and you already communicate to your kids like that, daughters and sons, that is a big plus. It totally is. So shout out to you guys for being, yeah. being able to do that. I think it's just like you got to um, – when you grow – like when you become an adult, you have to – you have to gauge of how, you know, the pros and cons of like how, you know, how your parents raised you. Like for my mom, right? My mom was overly emotional. Like she, she expressed everything like with either yelling, violence. Um, but at the same time, you know, my mom was very nurturing. So as long as you take that aspect of like um, her nurture, like, how she would nurture us like you take that aspect and you run with it and you leave like you know the yelling and the the physical abuse like behind for my dad my dad was very you know my my dad was a philosophical man and um he did things like based off logic so it, it was a perfect balance my dad fails in like really expressing himself and like um, admitting that he's wrong. So, you know, I could leave that behind and take all the good qualities that he shared, like, with me growing like growing up as an adult. And you got to kind of gauge that and use that. Um, you know, take the good, all the good that you learned from your parents and, like, apply it and create your own style of parenting. You know, you don't have to necessarily um, follow the dogmatic way of... Um, of just, you know, um, beating your kids or, you know, um, because, you know, when you get an education, like, make sure your kids are, like, educated. Like, it starts at home first, and then, you know, you could um, let them decide whether they want to go further into academia or not, you know. Um, let them choose, you know. Let them know how to teach them. My One great thing, like, the greatest gift that my dad gave me was the ability to critical think, you know, think for myself, Absolutely. you know, don't follow the crowd, you know, my dad was a very, you know, um, he studied uh, psychology, so I wanted to do the same as him. So when I went to college, I studied psychology heavily. So, um, and then you just, you know, you just have to support them in anything that they do. You know, make sure as long as you like kind of um, create like the um, create like a good path, um, they're going to end up in good places. And then after that, you know, you just got to support them. You got to be a support system. So, yeah, I feel like I'm talking too much. But, yeah. Todd Father? No, you're not, bro. I'm talking about you. No, you're not. Dude, that is so good. Like that being able to, um, I think. I, I don't think that we now have a, nowadays everything becomes so subjective and stuff in society. 
but that um, that we don't really understand what an education is. And and I think that college was the intention of college was to give you the opportunity to to learn how to learn. Not that they told you, you know, specific, you know, definite definite deals that you you know. That's that's fine if you're a plumber. You got to know one thing for another on a plumber. But when you're talking about, you know, critical thinking, and it wasn't they told you what to critically think. They taught you how to critically think in all things, and and giving somebody an education was really teaching them how to take information and and decide and give yourself meaning to it. Right? That you you can yeah. you could think your way through it and. And then it, and whether you are a plumber or electrician or you are a philosopher, you could take in the same way that you figure out how to wire electricity most efficient way in a house is the exact same process of deciphering whether a theory is a theory that's, that you can apply to your life or not. Because they, you, you find, you critically go through it and go like, that doesn't make sense at all. all right. Or it does, right? And and that's giving your kid an education. Um, that's why I want, I'm, I'm not musically talented, but I'm not even in the closest part, but I want my kids to at least open their minds up to music, to the arts, to, to all these things, because it tells you, it, it tells you a lot of stuff. It tells you, it gets you in touch with your feelings in the, in the music and the arts, but it also tells you like worldviews and tells you how the, how the world thinks and sees things. And uh-huh. you can either make sense of it or not. Um, man, that's, that's truly an education to your kids is, is opening them up to giving them as many experiences in the world so that they can make up their own minds instead of, you know, doing that. I, I think one other point that, that was really important for Mars was um, that he said was, was the two-parent household um, it really is is beneficial because, like I said before, like one parent is going to balance the other one out. So like for me and my wife is like you don't we don't quit on the same day. I'm I may not be um, the best on uh, you know thinking or or studying and stuff like that on some stuff. My wife is much more in tuned on some of that stuff, but I'm I'm a lot more on doing. So I like I get my kids their hands dirty and getting them out and 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 understanding the physicality of your body and how to how work yeah. and, and, and not being shameful in, in that too, that it's, you can be a brainiac, but if you don't, if you have all read all the books in the world and you have all this knowledge, but you can't apply it to your life, it's not worth the shit either. That's not worth it. Yeah. Right. No, it's not worth anything. You can tell me all kinds of stuff, but your life looks like a wreck. Well then what's the, <laughs> you're not applying it. So it's not working. So, if I can't, if they can't physically go out and know how to make a living and work and understand these things, um, it's not going to make sense. Right. And so right. they've got to also learn that they got to apply it in their lives too. And, and having the balance of one being emotional and one being more stoic or whatever, there's just a really good balance to a marriage because, you know, we don't, we all, we, you know, we really don't marry ourselves. We marry what something hopefully that complements ourselves, and uh-huh. uh, and that balances out in raising your kids too, because it gives them both ends of it. All right. Wow, I like that. I like that. Let's get specific now. We've t- we've discussed a lot about 
some some of the great ideas to create these spaces, to create these opportunities, to have these connections with our son particularly. How do you bring up sexting? Do you say, son, our data bill came in and we noticed that you're going way over the bandwidth and you're obviously sending a whole lot of something. I mean, how do you, do you, do you, do you put a limit on it? Do you say you can't sext after 10 p.m.? Do you, do you say don't ever do it? Do you say only above the chest? Uh, I mean, I, you got to have this specific conversation. I'm not saying shame them. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing, but it is going to come up. It is going to come up. And I don't want it to lead to something where they feel so shamed they got to take their life. Where they, if you're blackmailed by somebody, then you might have to take the bullet and just take mm -hmm. it in the chin. And say, you know what? It is what it is. You made a mistake, but you're not going to kill yourself. Do we get specific with this conversation? Do we show them a link? Do we, do we just bring it up? How do we have this conversation with our sons? Um, so fifth, my, my 17 year old, he sent a dick pic and, um, when he was 15, um, <clears throat> and you know, my mom, she was handling, she was handling it the same way she handled my Polaroids. Like she was like, she, you know, she was basically shaming him and, you know, doing all this. And my dad was doing the same thing, like just going along with her. So like, you know, um, so, you know, I had to step in and just like tell him like, dude, you know, like once you put like yourself out there, it's available. Like you don't know where it's going to go. So you just got to let them know the consequences of like, the actions, you know, I know my dad did the same thing to me, like, anytime we would do something stupid, like, my dad would, like, he would sit down, like, I told you, I told, I think I told you this already, Leo, like, my dad did stuff, and when he did stuff, he did it slow, so when he would sit down at dinner, and we were in trouble, like, he would, like, pound it into our brains of, like, how stupid the decision we made was. I didn't want to necessarily do that with my son. Um, the way I told him, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you got to relay the information of and the consequences of what they do. Um, with my son now, like with my seven-year-old, um, I'm going to probably attack this very early with him and, you know, um, make it more aware. You know, when he has a set, when we give him his cell phone, I'm going to tell him, you know, what he needs to know, like, very early. So they'll know the, I think the, the faster you nip it in the bud, the more effective, like, your message is going to be, like, toward, towards the subject. Right on. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there's two parts of me. One part of me wants to, like, never give him a phone and keep everything from him and, and shelter them completely so they don't have all these issues um i mean i i just i i hate all of these all these things i don't want this i don't want my kids to have to go through all this stuff but at the same time it's not reality and the reality is they're gonna have to go through all this stuff they're gonna they're gonna have to do that and part of me that the part of me that wants to keep it from them and never let them do it is the selfish part of me because i don't want to have to deal with it um but we, what I really need to do as a father, my job is to help them learn how to navigate it. It's not necessarily to keep them from it and, and having all these troubles um, because they're going to. If they don't, if, if 
they wait and have these troubles when they're outside of my household, then I can't help them. You know, and, and it is my job to help them learn how to, how to navigate this world. And so, unfortunately, I have to, as a father, be there to have the discussion with them whenever things are going wrong. And, and if I keep them from having anything going wrong until it's, they're on their own and it's too daggum late. And I'm, and you know, and they may, they may just hide that stuff from me because they, they won't be in my house. But I think the way that I am in my attempt in handling it first off is I want my kids to know that there is nothing, no subject, not a thing out there that's not approachable and something we can't fix. There's nothing in this world and in this life that is worth doing something like like committing suicide that that is a it's a long-term solution to a short-term problem and any short-term problem we can we can work on it's not something that we can't we can't deal with there's not there's no shame that's going to make me not want to be your father and um and not be able to fix it there isn't there's nothing you can't do anything that's going to make me run from you and and at least with that, I eliminate that option of, you know, running from it and being feeling like you're so ashamed that you can't have the conversation with me. And um, again, it comes back to shame. I, I, I know that uh, Morris has said, don't shut them down. Don't uh, make them feel awkward. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a big thing that in my family and in my culture, you know, shame was a, a big instrument. Apologies were not. So I don't want to tell my mom, I'm a young boy, I have a girlfriend, I'm a young boy, I have a crush on this person, much less I'm into sexting, which is, in my, in my opinion, a really, really new concept. Like, I don't know where this is coming from. Is it pressure from the girl? In this particular case, they were being catfished. So obviously, they were being put, they were being uh, given pressure by if a nefarious source who only wanted money from them. Um, I think the, and this is just my theory, right? But I think that um, the reason for why it's so uh, prevalent is, you know, it goes to the, sh it's the sh part of the shaming and all that kind of stuff. But it's a, it's a, at that age, you have a desire. We all have a desire to be known. I mean, really, you look at why we're all on these apps and we're, we're all doing all this stuff is because we, there's a, we're designed to have community we're designed to have interaction and we all want to be known it's it, we want to have that you know being known kind of deal and so um and in being known we find value in ourselves and so the kids are no different you know they want they want to be somebody the world is all sitting around telling them that they you know you be you and you know you should be known and you need to be like all that that are famous are the ones that are known and they're and uh, and so they seek that and uh, and they find their value in that. And and as a father, you need to you need to give them a, a firm base for for their value. That you you they need to know that they're that they are cared for and they're you know that they're known at least through you and that um, that their value comes from not from an external source as far as like somebody else's approval. And and that is the hard part about that. That is something you've got to say over and over and over. It's not something you do once and then you're done with. It's it's a it's a constant work when they're growing at that age. 
because mm-hmm. they have the desire to but then not only that but the world is telling them that you know you need to be famous and you need to be this and that and i'm giving these really crappy examples of it when you're yeah. young it was all about who's going to be student body president who's going to be captain of the football team who's going to be head cheerleader um a lot of things that make an impression on us uh, peer pressure and all that I, I get it it's understandable but now the internet's here and the internet's here to stay and it's a big staple of our lives especially young people's life it amazes me how many tv shows on youtube my son follows and they're not real shows. They're just other dudes living their life, having a good time, gaming, yeah. reviewing and criticizing sports. I'm like, I go, mijo, if you go to the guy's house, you can do it next to him and watch the damn thing. Uh, he lives over in Canada, dad. Well, who are you? These aren't your friends. <laughs> no, these are YouTubers I follow. I'm like, yeah. what? They're just living their life. <laughs> Now, like, how yeah. boring are you that you have to watch somebody else play a video game? Like, you're not even playing the damn video game. You're watching somebody else playing the video game. So, so I want to ask you guys, like, does that, does that say so much? Like, um, are we offering enough activities for them to like be engaged, like, or like kind of live that type of life? Like, are we like kind of? Um, you know, because um, I really feel like, um, and I'm not saying anyone in particular, but I've, even I do this sometimes. Like, um, sometimes, like, I'm not really available, like, for for my son. And, like, sometimes, uh, you know, he goes elsewhere. For, you know, we create kind of like a escapism to where, you know, Oh, my dad's not here right now, so I'm going to go do this. I'm guilty. You know, I'm guilty of it most definitely. Like, I'm not there all the time. Like, no matter how how much I, I talk my shit on here, like, sometimes, you know, you have to have your own time uh, for yourself. And I, I think, like, us as parents, we don't allow that as much. Um I'm lucky though. I'm I'm very I feel like I'm fortunate to have my mom and my sisters. They they take they take my kids like nothing, you know. So it's good to have that 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 type of support like and that type of community um to where, you know, if me and my wife want to go out dancing, I'll just drop my son off at my mom's and it's it's like it'll be fine. I think you um, us as parents, we need that time. So having a support system like that is very valuable. So I will, wow. I'll just, that's, that's yeah. awesome. And I know you guys might think in your hum- humble selves that you're talking too much, but let me tell you, I'm a comedian. I'll let you know if you're stealing the limelight. I'll let you know if you're talking too much. <laughs> no, you guys. Yeah, let me know, man. Awesome. Let me know. You guys are wonderful <laughs> for taking time out of your day. Today is MLK which all it basically means for us here in Southern California is that we get the day off. So for that <clears throat> being a fact, let's, let's participate in having our brains share some of the ideas as dads. There's not enough talk about dads. There's not enough talk about dads' positions. So let's continue the conversation. But first, let's do a little housekeeping with Technical Tea. Hello, Uncle Leo and Top Father. Hey, Technical Tea. Great topic, Uncle Leo. Doc Mars the Black and Todd Father um great topic much much respect 
Info Pete, I didn't recognize you. Welcome you. to the show. Oh, what's going on, guys? What's going on? Uncle Leo, do you know what happened to um, M4 and Pete? He's hmm. right there next to you. <laughs> oh, stare. you know these guys, Mars? I mean, the name's constantly no, she, Didn't she say... Didn't she say Info Pete? I think that's what he is. That what? Oh, is that what she said? I invited I Info Pete. So. Pete, brother. What hey, up, good to up, see you, bro. Glad you got my text message. I'm so glad that you're here as well. You're a dad, and uh, sure. I'm glad you listened to the conversation. I don't know why. It's... Oh shit! That was weird. I don't know why stereo because I follow Info Pete, and they made me not unfollow him. I've noticed that here on the stereo streets, like all of a sudden there's people you're following. It's kind of weird or unfollowing. There's oh, that's two weird. I didn't know that I was not following him either. I just looked that up. Yeah, that's really weird. Sometimes yeah. stereo two... does that a lot. They do that a lot. They got to be doing it on purpose. There's two individuals on here that I just don't jive with at all. So instead of me clashing with them, I just blocked them. You know, I'm like, you know, I, if you ever ever in a room, I don't want to be in that space because the way you treat people gets me triggered. Then I want to come after you, especially if they're my friends. And then, a couple of months later, Stereo unblocks them. Like, how does that's how does so that weird? Work? I'm not crazy or, about this app. Or they um they create a new profile. Mm. Sometimes that happens. They get banned. People get banned, and then they make another profile. That's very interesting. One of the things that comes on here a lot. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had a problem with my phone. Um, it's a long issue, so I had to change up. It's all good, man. It's all good. I'm glad you showed up, Pete. Uh, Pete and I have had conversations off the air, and he's a wonderful source to get a different perspective. He's on the East Coast. We're on the West Coast. Todd Fathers in Texas, a great collaboration of uh, us inputting thoughts as dads. And this particular issue, we're talking about our relationship with our sons. And yeah. I'm getting a whole lot out of this, guys. A whole. So thank you for that. Anything that you guys want to add before we get to the next question? Um, nah, man. We got one more message. Yo, that is facts, Uncle Leo. It's like, why? Like, you know, like, I'm trying to, like, you know, forgive, forget about the situation. But then when you just come in the room and you just, like the young people say, play up in my face. And you know you playing and you trolling. Nah, I'm not going to have that. No. Mm -mm. It doesn't sit well with me, but I'm trying to, like, you know, just move on with my life. Dr. Lovespell, I appreciate your Instagram. I didn't know you could do the splits. I was watching you last week. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you uploaded that oh, yeah. three times. I thought it was funny. So. <laughs> she could dance, man. <laughs> yeah, she can. And she can cook. <laughs> So I've known thing... Dr. Love Spell for like two years. Yeah. Oh, really? She's an old friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> she's a sweetheart. Um, she is. She's well, a very I, she's I very that, sweet. That says a lot too about um like the I, I think that's something that's different with the kids nowadays than than with uh you know, me growing up was um you know, it, it there's such a crazy amount of anonymity behind texting 
and you know it's almost like it's not real the conversation yeah so you get you get these uh you know keyboard warriors coming on and just spouting off whatever kind of rude crap that they want to say and stuff and and right uh, and you see kind of see that in some of the kids that they start to see and think that for one that that's acceptable and for two that that that's normal and and um and so what i did i do so we were talking about the deal of sexting and stuff like that with kids and stuff my son had a you know and it wasn't like crazy inappropriate but it was enough inappropriate conversation with the little girl and um and i uh we talked about it we talked about you know the, what i said earlier about you know that that little girl is somebody's daughter but it's also somebody's future wife and future mother and all those kind of things and and then it was okay so now we need to go and have a conversation if you're going to want to talk to her again at any time in the future you need to go and we need to have a conversation with her and her dad and and we need to have the conversation face to face we're not doing this over the phone or you are talking to a human being you're talking to some somebody on the other line and it may, sounds cutesy and whatever else but until you're standing there with her dad in the room and we all have this conversation like it's not going to get rectified you're not going to find the gravity of this so yeah that whole not having face to face not being something that's reality it's it's crazy to me that that you know the, the, i think the only way to 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 get around that is to actually make them you know, you gotta go talk to them. You gotta confront that. You know, you can't just have this. And and this stereo is crazy. How they uh, it allows people just to like say the craziest crap out of their mouth, whether they didn't have <laughs> right. In fact, they you can you don't even have a you can have a profile and be completely and you know have all anonymity. Like you don't even have to prove who you are or what you are or, or anything like that. I mean, you want to see who I am? The pictures are right there. You can go look at my Instagram account or whatever. Like, find me. Go ahead. You know, I'm not right. afraid of who, you know, proving who I am or whatever. Like I have an opinion and I don't have to back it up with, you know, two college degrees in order to have an opinion, you know, blow it out your ass. I'll have my opinion and, and I'll, I can be wrong as much as you can be wrong too. But right. it, it's weird that there's this whole disconnect with, with the, the reality that you're talking to a person, a living, breathing person, you know? Uh-huh. I tell my son and my and my and and the wife does a really good job about this. She won't ever judge him or shame him. She'll just keep an ear open. So she has always heard the conversations he's having in the living room with whoever he's gaming. One time we caught one young man doing some questionable things and we put him to the test. He failed the test and we showed our son this these are the kind of boys you don't want to hang out with until they respect you back and stop throwing you under the bus. A couple of years later, they're friends again, they're gaming again, but she's always got that one year open to identify is what he is talking about bad or is what's he talking about good or where is this leading him to? Because you're not there to referee or to filter all that information he's getting through the audio channel, through the speaker on his headset, where he's just feeding off of this. Uh, we got a message from Info Pete. Yeah, I'm curious. Can either one of you talk about the experience of co-parenting? Um, no, we yeah, cannot talk I think about we... it. Go ahead. <laughs> now we're talking I think about we talked about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Co-parenting, is a, I think it's very important. Like you have to have, um, you have to have a dynamic to the point where, um, I think honesty is probably the most important thing because, like, 
as far as me and my wife goes, um, I tell, I always tell my wife, you know, and you have to have that openness too. Um, it helps with uh, being like an effective unit um, when you're honest, because you know some days you're just not feeling it. And like I, um, Todd, well, like Todd Father said earlier, there's some days where you know I pick up my wife's slack, and sometimes uh, she picks up mine. And I, I feel like just working as a cohesive unit and um, just being there for your kids, like both of you guys, um, it really it really helps like the um, the baggages of um, of parenting, like as a whole. And um, I couldn't imagine. And that's why I commend single parents for, you know, the job, you know, doing a great job with if they have done a good job, like I commend them, period, because, you know, I could not imagine doing this on my own. So I I have to tell you, the the single parents, what they take on is incredible. Like, I I can't believe what like a single mother. Holy smokes, man. I just cannot imagine taking on all that responsibility on yourself and then trying to and trying to like fill a role that you're that you're not necessarily designed to be able to do and and uh, and to understand it and man i just cannot imagine that you know and then even if you do allow another man you know or another person to come in and kind of help you out with it like man trusting them you know when you're not in a committed relationship too like ah, I, i just can't imagine it i can't imagine I really can't imagine because I, I've never been exposed to it, that, that how hard that would have to be. Very difficult. Yeah. I've heard from Mars on more than one occasion, and that's what's wonderful about Mars. He comes across as a very genuine individual, and it's heartfelt and sincere when he shares his ideas. And one thing he's been very authentic about is his constant acknowledgement and gratitude for his wife and how she steps up when he can't be there, how she's a big part of the family being raised together. And Todd father also on today's stream has said the same thing sometimes. And I, and I, you touched me when you said this, I could be somewhere else. I could be in my man cave. I could be having fun. I could be having me time. I've had such a terrible six months trying to adjust my life 180 to be a full-time dad when I'm not used to being that at all, nor, nor was I interested in it. Now, all of a sudden, I'm hanging around like-minded dads who want to see their sons succeed, want to be a big part of their family. And I almost feel a sense of shame that I missed out on opportunities that I should have accepted, that I should have embraced. Because I was raised by a single mom. So to me, being raised by a single mom is normal. It's not so hard. Yeah. It's kind of how life works. So I don't know what it's like on the other side. So all of a sudden, I'm in Vegas. I'm partying every other weekend or at least twice a month. I'm hanging out with the biker boys at the dive bars. I'm hanging out at the poker table at the casino. I always something to do. I'm at the nightclub because I'm a good part-time dad. But then when I find out mm-hmm. as I talk to these dads and these co-parenting units, or we call family, mom and dad being at home, I realize that I made some stupid decisions in my life. And I missed out on a whole lot. And so my redo kid, my 14 going on 15, is my last chance of some sort of redemption to show that maybe I am a good dad. And I'm leaning on you two guys a lot today because you guys have given us some gems. You guys have given me so many wonderful guidelines that I would have never considered in the past. You guys are hey, so man, awesome. Hey, you're, you're man, doing, you're doing the work right now, bro, and that's all that matters. 
Well, and you have to understand, Leo, that um, none of us know anything until we make mistakes. You know, like mistakes right. throughout your life. Yeah, mistakes are where you learn. It, you know, it, it's not, you know, the there's something that comes easy and that you just fall ass backwards into and you're like, oh, hell, that was easy. You don't learn anything from that. It's the hardest times, uh-huh. the biggest struggles that you go through in your life are the times where you learn the most. Those are the ones that you don't forget. Those are the things that you, 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 you know, make almost like a, a, a mark in your life where you go like, that's my life changing deal. And you have to go through those things in order to learn and grow. So yeah, they suck sometimes yeah. to go through, but at the same time, like you, you should embrace that too. Is that now, now without that struggle, you wouldn't have the knowledge to share. Now you do have the knowledge to share with your son about, you know, things like I said before, like I, my biggest deal is I teach my kids what not to do by example. Like, don't do that crap. Dad just did it. And you just saw what happened to him. And maybe we shouldn't do that. That is that's some, <laughs> yeah. of the greatest, some of the greatest gifts that I can give to my kids is not trying to be perfect, but helping them learn through my mistakes. And we grow, we all grow together. But those mistakes, man, as much as they hard, are hard to go through, Man, that's where you grow. That's what makes you great dads, right? Is that you went exactly. On it. And uh, the other thing that I think is really important to understand is is having a good definition of what love looks like. The world nowadays tells us all kinds of crazy shit about what love looks like. You know, it looks like you know accepting everything. Well, not necessarily. I mean, if my father just accepted whatever, then I'd have turned out to be whatever I wanted and, and run into making all kinds of mistakes. Love, love truly looks like sacrifice. Like the greatest love is one sacrificing for another, right? We see, that's why we revere these guys that jump on a grenade for their, all, their, all their buddies, right? Like, holy shit, that's the greatest thing. That's the, that's the most loving thing that a man could do, right? It's, it's sacrifice right. for somebody else, right? And we see what those examples look like. And that's when you start to grow in your love for your children is when you understand and don't get me wrong, this is not something I'm good at. And it's not something that's easy for me either. But you start to grow when you start to realize that I have to sacrifice some of those wants that I have. That That's the love. It's not that uh-huh. I tell you I love you, but that I'm there for you. It's why it's such an impact to all of us as men when our fathers show up and see something that we do um you know i think i hope i don't overstep my bounds in this but i've i've had a couple of buddies that i know that um they they have this phrase and um they say to each other i see you and i didn't understand that i that was like i see you what the hell does that mean i see you yeah i see you too you know, because I grew up with a father, it wasn't some. It was really foreign to me what they were saying. And and these are all uh, these are all other men of color, and they throughout their lives had a different upbringing than I did, and they didn't have a father. You know, you think about when you're a kid and, and you go like, "Daddy," like your kid's going, "Daddy, Daddy, watch me, Daddy, 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 watch, Daddy, watch, Daddy, watch," and you're like, "Okay, right, yeah, watch, watch, watch," and you're like, "Ah, man, like I saw it, I saw it, I saw it." And and when a when a man or a young man is raised and without a father, that that is their that's these men's way of telling each other, like, "I got you." Like I see you, right? I, it, I like that was monumental to me to understand what that meant. Those, yeah. those were men helping other men, right? And they weren't even the father, right? They were self-sacrificing. Like, hey, man, 
I see you. Like I approve of you as a man to a man, like a father should be to his son. I see you. Yeah. All right. That's, that's huge. That's huge. And we don't, we don't. That's very big. That yeah. Yeah. It was really big. I didn't understand yeah. because I grew up with a dad. I had that. But then when that, when that was explained to me, it was like, huh, dude, that's, that's, that's like the coolest phrase ever. I see. The you. coolest phrase. Yeah. It's a, um, it's, it's a big support. It's a supportive phrase. Yeah. Well, and go ahead. Such a good, it's such a, that is a, that is probably the most loving thing I've heard one man say to another. Really? All right. There's a, a wonderful scene in the movie American Me. And there's a scene where the son who saw his older brother get shot by the cops in East LA. This is during uh, the fifties and sixties when there was a whole lot of racial uh, rage and indifference in Los Angeles. It's a great movie, James Edward Olmos, but there's a scene where the, where this guy who comes out of jail and he's, you know, he's just a, 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 a fuck up in life. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, dating this other girl and they both start crying. They start telling that I see you. And I'm like, what is that about? But then in the movie avatar that just came out, there was constant reiteration of the father telling his boys that, cause there's two boys in there and this dad's having issues with the main characters having issues with these two boys. One's the good son, one's the rebellious son. And he says, I see you, I see you. And it just kind of got me really hard. And I thought, so mm-hmm. that's what that means. We want that validation. We want to yeah. acknowledge, you know, we want to get to that next level with our dad. And a second shout out to the movie Avatar because the mom stole the show away again. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that movie yet and I've, I've heard a lot about it and I, I think I'm going to have to go see it. Now. Great family movie. Great family movie about what it takes to stay together no matter what. And that's something that, um, you know, so... And seeing the difference between my two boys, my my uh, my oldest son, um, I adopted from birth, and my youngest son, um, uh, he was, uh, I guess six when I got him, and like seven and a half, almost eight years old, eight years old when I finally got to finalize the adoption with him, and um, and so they've got, it's two different stories, right, and and I w- I've been the the father always for my young my oldest son my youngest he's had i'm his second right and uh so there's such a seeing that difference the impact of of you know what a father who doesn't show up um the impact it has and then you know another one trying to step into that and 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 fill that role um it's really kind of crazy now that he's turning he just turned 14 and uh, my youngest and um, he's hit a spot where now we can have the conversations are more uh, genuine. They're, they're deeper and he's starting to, you know, open up and we can have conversations about that kind of stuff. Um, mostly because I want him, I want him to, not because like, God, some of the stuff he wants to talk about shit. I don't want to talk about <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, but I'm but I'm there because it's the opportunity to have a deeper conversation as we go further into it. Um, he's mm-hmm. he's really different. He wants to hide a lot of things from me, and so um, 
I don't know. I don't know if it's shame or what exactly it is, but he wants to hide them from me. I think he knows he's not doing what he should or whatever. But um, I don't know. I, it, he's my he's my tougher kid for me because I I really have to push myself on him because he there's times where we just don't we just don't get along. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. That's that stage too, like fourteen. That twelve to fourteen is really that um that rough patch of where, you know, um they kinda like break away from you, they start caring more about um what their their circle thinks, you know, their friends. Um the adolescent stage, like they get into that mindset of where uh, you know, um, yeah, my my dad's, um, my parents are lame. You know, my parents are lame. I'm going to start running with my crowd. You know, they're, they're kind of trying to build that independence from you, which is why it scares me that, you know, my seven-year-old is, like, moving relatively fast. You know, I, I'm like, you need to slow down a little bit. So I, I really think it's just a matter of communicating with them and telling them, um, you know, um, everything's just going to be all right. You know, sometimes you're going to run into, uh, rough patches in life. Um, but just know, I, I feel just as long as we're there for them, you know, and, um, another thing I want to bring up, um, info Pete, uh, brought up like co-parenting and stuff. Um, yes. I really think, um, I can't stress like you really have to have your me time as a parent because you know you need that break and i feel like you need that break to be a more effective parent so you still you can't forget like you're you're a parent 24 7 like there's no you know there's um people say that there's no break from it but like you do need a break sometimes and that's where you know that's where having a support system is like really important um like you know that saying, um, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, you know, so they could, you know, they could deal more with like different personalities because I have a big family. Polynesians usually have a very like huge family. Like my family is huge. So um, the fact that my sons have like access to so many different personalities, I feel, um, helps them gauge like um and prepare for you know the open world you know if i i know having 10 siblings like i had you know i grew up in a family of 10 kids and then you know my mom took some of my um cousins from my auntie so we grew up in a full house like i was fully prepared for college man like i and like for the world period because i knew how to gauge different personalities so um yeah man like a support system's very very much needed and also um you as a parent you need your own self-care time to be an effective parent mm -hmm. so yeah i'll just say that yeah great comments I mean, gentlemen go ahead todd father i'm just gonna say that you know the um something that came was a big realization for me whenever we we because I can't stress to you, like I'm selfish as all crap and how hard it was <laughs> when we had, when we adopted three because it changed the whole dynamic of everything. Um, you know, you, you, we really had to 
jump on and, and really help out to change the lives and at least change the director tra- trajectory. Um, mm. But what right. I realized, what I realized at that time was that if, if there were, if this was going to fall apart, you know, if this was going to fail, it was going to fail. This family was going to fail when I neglected the relationship between me and my wife. If our relationship mm. went to shit, the whole thing was going to go right. And I could have a hard time with one of my kids. I could have a hard time with a couple of kids. You know, we could have some hard times, but if, but we can work through those things, we can get through those things, but only if our marriage survived, if our marriage survived, it didn't survive the whole thing goes. Yeah. Right. It, it's just going to break apart. So that nurturing, you know, I, I think that <laughs> there's a reason why, it's healthy for me to go out and hang out with my friends and do jujitsu because I get to go and choke my friends and I get to go and try to beat somebody up. Yeah. It's a stress relief. Yeah. It is. And, and when we get done and I'm choking my friend and I get done, like we get to like go hang out with like he's choking me and it's like, oh, that was really good. But you no, know, we're friends still. I can't do, I can't do that right. with my wife. I can't do that with my kids. <laughs> I want to choke them sometimes, but you know, I can't do that. And and so it's a great outlet, but you know, great outlet. Yeah. It's it's a great outlet, but it's the same thing with, with mine and my wife's relationship that if I can work like crazy on my relationship with my boys and my daughters, right. But if I neglect the one with my wife, the whole thing goes no matter what, even if it, even if they're out of the house, right. They get up and they get out, they move on, they out of the house and they go, then they see our, our marriage when all of a sudden we can't handle each other anymore because we haven't, we've been hiding, we've been just doing things for the kids and not doing things for our marriage. And then all of a sudden they leave the house, we get lost and then I got to go find something different and whatever and leave. Then, then the whole thing that I raised them with was a fallacy. Yeah. Right? So it's really important that even though it's okay for them to see us argue, it's okay for them to see us you know, uh, have our troubles and, and, and their disagreements and whatever else, but they have to know that we're a unit that's like, that we're really committed. Right. And so much so committed that, you know what, I'm going to leave you guys here at the house and we're going to go out to eat tonight. And me and mom are just going to go spend some time hanging out and talking to each other. You know, I need to go look at my wife and they need to see, they are, it's really funny when they all see me and my wife, like I go walk inside, (laughs) I come into the house from riding horses and I walk inside and she's in the, She's in the house doing something because she's she homes we homeschool our kids and they're all inside the house doing something. I walk in and I'll smack my wife on the hind end and I'll give her a kiss and I'll hug on her and whatever and they're all like, oh man, God. that's amazing, oh. right? You know, like, oh God, God, you're so disgusting and you know like they see it playfully and they know that I love her. Yeah, man. No matter what, you know, no matter what, they're getting to see the playful, the fun that you know, even though no matter what, they be like, okay, so mom and dad are okay. You know the relationship's right. still stable. Like, and, we're, we're I, and they're good question. I, I don't know. I don't know what's worse that Todd Father, you're six foot three, or and I'm five foot eight, five foot nine, or that you're six foot three <laughs> and Mars is also six foot two and I'm still five eight, five nine. This really sucks. But a lot of good knowledge. We got some messages. The reason why I ask because there's a condi- huh. there's something out there called malicious parent syndrome, and that's where the parent uses the uses the child against the other parent for whatever reason. So that's why I asked about co-parenting because I find once the other parent leaves the home, 
there's some tension, and that's been in my life experience. So that's why I ask. Um, a lot of fathers go through things, and that's why this uh, podcast is very important. Because on the low, there may be other parents who are experienced malicious parent syndrome. Nice one. Message too. You know, it's yeah. interesting when you say, when you when I hear I see you because to me that's also could mean I read you, and I got um, you. there's deeper meaning to that. So I think. The job you both, you all are doing, talking about parenthood and being fathers, is truly great because we all have the opportunity to learn from each other. This is very useful. I still pay child support. Damn! So, I appreciate the comment. I appreciate this form. It's dope that you do jujitsu. It makes you really think of like you letting out a negative, but in a positive way. Um, you think just in our society, we don't like to let out the negatives in a positive way you know what i mean and they end up uh, showing up in our lives like this Part carl two. jung's uh carl jung's it makes me think of carl jung's theory of the shadow the shadow self you know what i mean and when i ever th- thought about that at all wow yeah carl jung's archetype of the shadow is um very interesting and that's crazy that he brought that up when Pete was talking about MPS because, like, sometimes if the shadow's left unchecked, like, for, with MPS, malicious um, parenting disorder, for, for like, instance, um, we don't realize that we're not only are we doing, like, we're doing self-harm to ourselves by staying in a malicious place, but we're also doing harm to our child by teaching them, like, horrible... Um, horrible behavioral patterns, you know, that that will probably stick with them like throughout the rest of their lives that they're going to have to seek help for. Well, and it's good to point out that that's not love, right? Love, yeah, love it's is, not love, love yeah. Some, yeah, it's not love. And, and, that, and what you end up doing is you start teaching or emulating to your children what the what this idea of love is and love in that view is distorted. It's it's broken, it's right? Wrong. And so you're teaching your children that this is how you act out. This is what a mother who says she loves your children, you know, acts this way. And it's, it's wrong, and and I and that can be fixed majority of the time. There's there's a neglect in in affection. There's a neglect in love towards the other couple or the other half of the marriage, right? That yeah, not, you know, there there was a um, there was a study that me and my wife did together. There was like, it was just, it was life changing for me and her and our marriage. And it was, and it was a biblical study. Um, it was teaching about, um, you know, how the, um, the difference between a man and a woman. And, uh, and it was, it was called love and respect. And it was teaching the difference between a man and a woman. And that there's a reason why God has uh, uh, told in, in the marriage vows for the wife to respect her husband and for a man to love his wife. And it wasn't because a wife shouldn't love her husband and it wasn't because a man shouldn't respect his wife, um, but it comes natural for a man to act out of respect. It doesn't come natural for a man to act out in a loving way. And we do, when we say, well, I love her, I did this. You most you ask yourselves, you know, does your wife love you? Yeah, my wife loves me. I know my wife loves me. Does she respect you? Well. I don't know. She doesn't respect me very much. Well, that's the reason why is because she's commanded to respect you because it doesn't come natural. It comes natural for a woman to act in a loving way. 
And when we feel like we are disrespected, we don't act out in a loving way. So it's just becomes a vicious cycle, right? And, and if you can get a grasp of that, you can actually model for your kids what, when a father's being loving, what it looks like. What does it look like? It doesn't look like he comes in and barks in the house and he does whatever. He comes in and he acts in a loving way, which is not natural for most men to act like in that situation. So that was a that was a big change because it actually taught me the reason why I had to act in that loving way to my wife um, and do those things to make her feel loved. And it, and, it, and it doesn't come natural so it's a it truly is a sacrifice then you really see what love looks like it looks like a sacrifice because i'm having to do crap that i don't want to do right it's yeah. doing stuff that doesn't come natural right so. that right. reminds me of what mars was saying earlier about not wanting to make your child awkward not wanting them shut felt like he's being shut out or shut down and i think sometimes i'm guilty of being so frustrated uh, with his mom because we're just so different. We come from different backgrounds and I'm super old school, which is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Like in our muchismo Latino culture, Pete's key can probably talk to info Pete. Hold on. What's his name now? The pioneer, the pioneer can probably talk about this, you know, in the Latino community, it's like the Japanese community. If you diss your man, especially in public, all hell's going to break loose when we get home. <laughs> and I don't like the effect <clears throat> that has on my son. When his when he was going through his first girlfriend, and now it's been a month now, so he had it for a month and then it went away. During that one month, things were a little sensitive here, and and I was grumpy all the time. And I remember being very very angry with her. And you know, I go from zero to ninety real quick. And I remember watching his demeanor and his face, and I felt terrible because he loves his mom. He totally. Mars, you know this. The number one psychological relationship is mom and son. I can never yeah. compete with that. And, right. and I felt like such a heel when, even though I felt justified <laughs> in everything, I was logically and not correct, not analytically, I was justified. I could tell that the expressions on on his little body, even though he's bigger than me now, in his little heart, it just killed me. It got to yeah. me. That's we could cool talk parenting. like I think that's that's another thing like we didn't touch on like the the face and heel dynamic of parenting because like I myself I'm known I'm known as like my boys know me I'm the fun parent you know and sometimes you know my wife gets my wife gets very jealous like she she's like you know I have to do the like I have to discipline all the time and you just you know you're always the good guy and they always love you and like i have to you know i i'm put in this spot so i really think it's important of uh, balancing out like the parent dynamic as far as you know sometimes i have to let my wife be the fun parent you know cuz she wants to be that parent like a lot but you know she's very my my wife is very rigid and like she's very like traditional like she's from the south you know she's from south carolina so like she's very um conservative so i'm like you know what sometimes you have to step outside that because you know my boys don't really get down like that so it's just about effective communication between you and your significant other to balance out you know the face and the heel dynamic sometimes yeah. you know Sometimes so you're just more you're just more fun like 
I'm the fun parent. But sometimes you have to relinquish that um, to your wife because, you know, sometimes she gets tired. She gets tired of being, you know, the, the rigid one. Um, so it's just a, it's just about balance. That's all I'm going to say. I think that's, that's really wonderful. Good, I, that's so Go good. Ahead, I had, I, well, I was just thinking like, I'm all, I'm the same thing, man. I'm the, I'm the fun dad. I'm the, I'm the right. good time and whatever. And I never <laughs> thought about like that. She, cause she complains about mine complains about the same thing. I never thought about like letting her be the fun one <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. It's so true. You know, Leo, I think something that, um, you know, it, when you when you're when we go through things like where you know you find out then you realize you come to an understanding that like oh my god i've been i've been i've been tough on my wife or i've i've been you know i'm hurting my son's you know view of things away you know and and we can be really hard on ourselves for some of those things we did but dude uh -huh. that you that you acknowledge it it shows you're a good dad like that's the biggest thing that you acknowledge it you realize where you're doing something wrong and like you, so now you want to make a change. Well, th those are the good guys, right? The ones that, and yeah. is not the one that, one that denies it and goes, I'm just, I'm right. I do. She, you understand she does this and she does that and the blame game. That's not the one. That's not the good dad. That's not the one yeah. that's doing the right thing. It's, it's the one that realizes it, acknowledge it and go like, damn, dude, you know, dang, mm -hmm. I went and screwed that up. And, and, and having the balls to be able to go to your son and go like, man, that's not how a man acts. Like, it's just, All I right. did it wrong. I did it wrong. And, and you know what? I want to be a good dad. And so in order to do this, like, I gotta, I got we gotta figure this out. And you catch me. I, I, I have my sons, we call it, we call it protecting our eyes. Like, so, so whenever, we, you know, we, when we're out somewhere, if my wife's not there, you know, like some girls walking by that's, you know, quite shiny. <clears throat> my boys are always like, <laughs> Hey, hey, dad. Hey, dad. My gosh. Hey, yeah, I know. I know. Right. Okay, okay. You know, so, and it's the same thing that I want to do with them. I want, I, you know, so whenever that comes about, you see me acting like, okay, so I'm going to give you permission to step in and say, hey, dad, we should do this. Or, you know, maybe we get a code word or we something like that. But I give him, I help him by equipping him, by giving him the power to be able to do something about it too um yeah and, and be a part of it be a part of the change that you know that i want to see that he wants to see in me too all right i have so, some wonderful follow-up comments but i don't want to ignore our listeners here we go with the pioneer pete my man so what about the i don't give a fuck generation of people that everything that's being said today is being shared but the i don't give a fuck and we've all been probably i don't give a fuck types how far does that like decay the whole process and effort of what you all are sharing today. You know, who here is a I don't give a fuck person, even when it comes for the time to stand on your moral ground? I don't think, I think when you become like a, when you become a father, like the I don't give a fuck phase is over. That's right. Like period, like that's just for me, like period. Like once, you know, once my, well, with my first son, I clearly was not ready. Like for I wasn't ready for that. But like when when my second son came, you know, the whole I don't give a fuck attitude, I tossed that shit out the window, man, and you know, you don't look back. That's right. Yeah. Uh one of my favorite personalities, Dark Legends, this guy is classy, this guy is talented, this guy has an amazing hair. 
<laughs> oh man good Legends looking is amazing Legends is amazing i love his instagram because what you guys are talking about right now acknowledging how rough the wife has it acknowledging how rough your co-parenting partner has it sometimes we take it for granted i know i have many times i mean i bragged about how many marriages i've had how many engagements i've had because i know i'm a fuck up when it comes to relationships because i never saw myself in a long-term relationship or in a family for very long because that was my upbringing but talking mm. to real dudes like you, hearing how it's awesome and it's wonderful and it's possible on the other side is incentivizing. It's motivating. And when I see a young man like Dark Legends walk his walk, I walk his talk. I mean, I just love watching him and his beautiful little families are waiting for the little baby. Here we go with Dark Legends. Guys, great show. Uh, nice to meet you, Todd Father. What's up, Leo? What's up, Maris? Uh, appreciate all you guys. This is uh, really good content. Definitely getting a, another perspective on any uh, parenthood is, is always good. So um, there's always things to learn as we grow and refine sort of how we go about child rearing. And uh, yeah, I'm about to rear a child, no pun intended. Um, but my lady's been in labor since Thursday night. So yeah, uh, her water broke a few hours ago and uh, the midwife and the doula are here. So hopefully we have a baby by midnight tonight because... Um, it would just line up perfectly. <laughs> you know, I'm tired. I just want to hold the baby and then go take a nap. So kind of like Christmas morning, but she's going to be here for a long time when, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. Much love to you guys. I'm still listening. Appreciate y'all. Legends, Boy, legends. boys are Legends, man. Great I love day, you, bro. Man. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Man, it's a great yeah, night. Man. My son just turned 16, and we just had pictures and was looking about the first day. Like, man, the day I be my grand, my dad put out a post. It was like, this is the day that my name changed to grandpa. And I was like, holy crap, my name, my name changed to dad at that point, too. You know, now I'm not right. Todd. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Matt's dad. <laughs> it was right. such a life-changing <laughs> deal. Yeah. That's so awesome. Congratulations, man. Congratulations, Legends. Congratulations, bro. Fingers. Baby is healthy and wonderful. And continue to post your Instagram so that we have a great a reminder of what families or yeah, how wonderful families can look like. I want to go ahead and bring it around to something I never thought of. And I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but yeah, I think uh, uh, Pete brought it up about co-parenting. And both of you gentlemen have done great jobs as dads as, as far as, you know what, there is another person involved. And in my circle, all my friends, I'm sorry, all my son's friend, they think I'm the cool guy. They call me Top G. Like I went to a birthday party on Saturday, go Top G, Top G. They all <laughs> nice. want to say hi to me. But they call, they call his mom Uppercut Rose. That's not complimenting. Her name is Rose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they ask Uppercut, I'm parking the car in the rain. And I'm running back. And they're both walking into the birthday party and go, where's Top G? Where's Top G? They don't want to say hi to her. They want to know where I'm at. Right. <laughs> so it is hard. It is hard. And I guess we do have to look at that other side. We do have to, you know, I guess be a little more empathetic. I mean, what do you recommend? Because yeah. I, I never thought of it that way. Nah, man, you just got to give like, you just got to give your significant other like space to like, because what my wife complains to me about is, oh, you're hogging the boys. Like you're, you're always taking them out. I want to have time with them, you know, so you got to give. You gotta give your um significant. You gotta give your partner, like the time and space for that. You can't necessarily hog it up. I know sometimes like we get, um, and that's another thing. Sometimes I just don't include my wife because it's like boy time. You know, you can't, 
you got to be careful of how you do that. Like I need, that's one thing I need to be mindful of. Sometimes, you know, I need to include her, um, with the stuff that, um, we do because, you know, she's, she's a part of our lives too. And, um, uh, so I guess inclusiveness, like with your partner and also sometimes they need, don't hog all of the, um, don't hog all of your kids time, like to yourself. You got to kind of, um, distribute that like, um, equally between, um, between both of you guys. That's really good. You know, I think that I, um, I, I'm always open to her doing stuff with them, but I don't, um, in what you were saying, it just, just struck me as like, I don't make that happen for her. I know she does it for me though. Right. I think that yeah. there's times where she, you know, she makes those times for me to spend with the boys and, and she makes time for me to spend with my girls and stuff. But I don't know that I'm that active in, in, in helping her get to that point of spending the time with them or being able to speak. I'm like, it's always like, you know, something happened. Yeah. Let me, let me go talk to the boy. I'll go do it. Like, yeah, we don't know, do it on purpose boy. either. It's not yeah, on no, purpose. Like, I'm, I'm we just get carried day, away. I'm, yeah. I'm here to save the day. Let me do that. You know, like, and, yeah. and, but I'm not making, I'm not creating that time for her to tell them because they've got to have that too right they've got to have a girl's point of view like what makes them feel yeah. good and what you know she needs to be able to tell them those things and i'm always like i'll tell you what to do let me tell you i gotta know everything right <laughs> yeah i gotta i gotta shut up and help her out more you just yeah you we need to we need to help them out more because <laughs> <laughs> they get yeah, very they frustrated they get really awesome. jealous That's man it. they get <laughs> they get so jealous <laughs> And it's like, it's not my fault um, that my boys don't want to go out and get manicures or pedicures or none of all that stuff, you know, like, so, I mean, I will be open if they wanted to do that. Like, I wouldn't be opposed to it, you know, um, I'm not that type. I don't have that type of, you know, toxic masculinity. Like, if you want to go do it, do it, dude. Like, yeah. But my wife I'm said, not, "I'm not that secure in my masculinity to go and get <laughs> Right, right. But like, I think it's just too like, you gotta kind of understand too, like, my wife's idea of spending time with the boys is taking them, you know taking them to watch a movie and sometimes my boys can't sit through movies you know especially my seven-year-old he gets really antsy if it's not an animation that's right so i think you just gotta um kind of give them ideas because um especially if you have boys like it'll be different if i had a girl you know like she'll be you know that'll be all her like my wife has to go take you know our nieces to go do the girly stuff but um yeah, it's not my fault, man. Like I got, we got boys. Got to deal with it, <laughs> or come up with ways of. My wife doesn't like gaming. Um, she likes she likes going to the arcade and gaming, but you know, not the same. Some, not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, these kids are different nowadays, man. Yeah, they don't want to go. They look at an arcade and be like, "Man, I want to game in in private." You know, kids want right. to game in private, That's like right. more intimately. But yeah, these are stacking up though. Let me let me Here we go. <laughs> so, you know, in the process of co parenting, um, I went through mediation, you know, actual sub issues of the main issue. 
And when I went to mediation, um, it kind of came out as the people doing the mediation, even though they had social service titles, um, it kind of, I felt as if it was me trying to get with her. But for me, it was about understanding, let's have a, a premise to raise our child. Uh, mediation concluded, and things pretty much stood the same, but got better over time. What do you all think about mediation, or have you all, have either of you been through mediation or know someone? We'll address uh, that in I, a little bit. Let's go ahead and get to the messages. Like yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate all you guys for the kind words. It means a lot to me. It's been a long few days, but... Uh, I do appreciate all of you, especially for saying what you said, Leo, that, that means a lot because as y'all know, being a parent sometimes is a rewardless, has its rewardless moments. Um, and sometimes the reward isn't until much later, um, especially for young parents, just, you know, with newborns and babies and um, child rearing. I talk a lot about the ages one through eight being the most crucial and important time in a child's life to be there and be present, to make a point whether you call it sacrifice or whatever you call it, to be there and be involved and to be present. Uh, it's such a crucial time. So thank you. And thank you to all the parents out there just fighting the good fight. Uh, it means everything. You know, it's it's something that can't be measured, um, but it's so rewarding on the other side of it. And, uh, yeah, you guys are great. Peace and blessings. Well, yeah, we're going to have a baby tonight, y'all. Woo! <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Leo, if you want, uh, we can make an arrangement. Uh, I haven't cut my hair since I found out Taman's been pregnant. But if you want, we can make the wig, and, and it can be for you, my guy. Uh, I really appreciate the compliment on my hair uh, from somebody who thought in my, in my 30s I was, gonna, I was losing it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to grow it out because I've always loved my hair. Um, but somebody else should, should love it too, and maybe that'll be you. My man. <laughs> I just play it. Unless you really wanted it, we could do that. It's crazy long, but... Um, yeah, I know it's a, you're a little bit challenged in that area, no, you know, but you're a handsome devil, you know that. Uh, but peace and blessing, guys, much love. As what you were saying today about having hobbies, having hobbies together and separately is so healthy and so important because you see a lot of uh, couples fall into this uh, toxic situation where they just either smother each other um, and they're like, yeah, what did you do today? They're like, I did everything you did. And they just kind of get into that stuck rut. Um, and, and that's not a good place. You should have some separation. Yeah, I'm not sure not. if my last message went through, but you were talking about hobbies, Mars. And hobbies, uh, having hobbies together and separate is so important. Having time together and separate is so important because you see a lot of, uh, especially younger couples, fall into this trap where they're always together. And it's like, if y'all are always together, you're giving each other nothing else to kind of narrate about or talk about or come back to and be grateful for, um, because it's like, what'd you do today? I'm like, what do you mean what I do? I was with you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you fall into sort of that trap, um, but it's all with good intention, like, because I love them, and I don't want to leave their side, but as you get older, and you realize that when you're in a trusting relationship, or a trusting situation, there's nothing more beautiful than taking some time to yourself, because like, even while you're taking that time, like, man, I got a great, I got a great lady, I got a great man at home, um, you know, I'm so grateful when I get back to them, um, and it makes the relationship that much better. So space and grace is key in any relationship. Man, I so couldn't much have said it better. For that legends, yes. Let's talk about right. mediation. Can you guys talk a little bit about that? That that's a a pretty interesting point from Pete. Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, 
I've not I've not been in mediation before, but I would think that the first thing that I would address in mediation is making sure that the mediator was was in the middle, like that that wasn't one sided or you know that and and I think that would be really hard to do. But you would have to have like um, I think the the most important thing would be that that mediator who's going to be speaking into like how to how to fix it or how to go about, you know, implementing it um, would have to have the same worldview as me. Like they would have to be, they'd, I'd have to have something in common with them. Like they'd have to be, we'd have to have like the same thing with a spouse. You'd have to have a common ground with them where we can at least, you know, you know, um, have the same outlook on life. They would have to see the value in being a father and raising a children and the same thing as having, you know, value a mother and her role in raising children and, and be wanting to do things for the betterment of the kid, not trying to pick sides and, um, and choose, you know, what they, they deem is right, but more of what, what is right in, in the eyes of the whole family. Um, and, and, and I think with, without that, man, you'd have a really hard time it not being one-sided or, you know, somebody getting a short end of the stick whether it's the kids or you or the spouse or whatever. That's powerful. Make sure the person is in the middle when you're going through mediation. A lot of times as you're chastising or disciplining your son, there is no middle. There's just this voice like thunder criticizing this child as a subordinate. And I don't see no middle ground in that. So I'm learning that maybe perhaps when I have my future son, father talks i have to keep that in mind that's a great comment todd father mm -hmm. um me and my wife like we we separated in 2018 um and we got together we got back together the end of not the end of 19 going into 20 so um most definitely had to go to you know marriage counseling like to save our marriage so and you know it really helped because uh sometimes that perspective of um the outside perspective you know it'll help you out it'll help you out way more than you think you know because you're you're getting a fresh a fresh view of things and uh sometimes you know if you i was blessed to have a good therapist like um uh, she really evaluated like all the kinks and stuff, like um, all the bumps, like um, bumps in the roads that we had, and you know, trust issues, um, miscommunications, you know, um, where we weren't communicating effectively. And uh, yeah, I think it's really important to have that if you're really um, going through it. Don't really suffer like. Um, don't really suffer through it if you guys really think um, uh, that you need it. Like, don't don't just like go through a marriage and not think that you need help because I think, you know, sometimes you need an outside perspective. Ooh, and you, there's you, nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it at all. No, there's nothing shameful about it either. You know, I have I so I've been married for 24 years. So the same woman, the, my first wife, and she'll be my last. And my, um, and I remember, I remember back whenever I was, dude, I was 20, 
22 years old and I was living, I, I was renting a house in town. It was actually my dad's, uh, we had, we had built a small house in town to use as a rental property and it was an old house and I was renting it out from my father and my uh. mom and my dad separated. And, um, and so they had separated, they'd been married at that point. They'd been married for 20, you know, five years, something like that. And me and my sister were both, you know, leaving the house and there was a struggle of, you know, now they got to get to know each other again. And, and they separated and they've been separated for probably, I don't know, it's probably like about five, six months. And he was mad and he, uh, and he came, he came to live with me. And so he was living with me in the, the rental house. And, um, and I had to, I, there was one day I had to go over. My mom wanted to introduce me to her new boyfriend. And she had, and maybe it was longer than six months. I can't remember. But um, so there was this guy that she knew from high school and they they you know, saw each other again or whatever. And so they were just going over to meet up and, and I had to go meet him. And I went over and meet him. And like, it was the weirdest thing ever. I mean, completely <laughs> the weirdest thing ever. It, it, wow. You know, I was like looking at this looking at this big chubby guy you know trying to you know hold my mom's hand i'm like fuck it right <laughs> it just like it was all wrong like and, take your um, hands off my mom yeah like back <laughs> off man and and you know and i'm 20 I'm something who the fuck old, do you, you know? think you are no. <laughs> and it was crazy and i had to go back home to my, to my dad right and and he was like so how how was your weekend i was like yeah well i I have to tell you something. And it was funny because they weren't going to get counseling or anything like that. And, and mm-hmm. I told my dad, I was like, well, I had the craziest thing happen this weekend. He was like, what? And I was like, well, so I had to meet mom's boyfriend for the first time. And he was like, oh, and I said, uh, yeah, I said, uh, hard. I met him and, and he got really quiet and he was listening to me talk and tell him all about it and whatever else and how I felt and whatever. And, um, and this is what I mean by a mediator that has both interests at heart. And, uh, and I looked at him and I said, you know, if you ever have intentions of being with mom ever again, you better get off your ass and do something about it. And I said, because, because it's, it's changing. And, and, and I can tell you right now, as your son, I absolutely hated sitting in the room with some fat dude holding my mom's hand and wanting her to sit on his knee. <laughs> right. And, and it's not you. And and instead you're you're your butt sitting over here mad about whatever, but you're not willing to go and listen and fix it. Because remember, my dad's the guy that was the stoic one. He won't talk to you. So shut down yeah. and won't talk to you. And he he had shut down and was like, well, she doesn't she didn't learn about how to put, you know, food on the table when I want to and start doing what I say, you know, and all the other whatever complaints that he had for the past twenty five years. And uh but it was, it was re- all of a sudden that made it real for him. Like, Hey, so you want to show me, you know, what a marriage really is and that you, what all the things that you said it was and all the things that you guys exuded, what, what a marriage was, or do you're going to make it all a lie? Here's your chance mm. to make this all like, you got to change it. That's and, heavy. And, and, Whoa, dude. And he showed up, <laughs> he showed up at the house of my mom and that guy was there. And oh, like, sh- just, oh shit! Just like shit himself. That other guy like started just crap, and, and my dad walked up to him and looked at him and said, "No, I don't blame you for anything. All I'm asking you, I had to talk with my son, and all I'm asking you is give me an opportunity to rectify what I've screwed up." And then the guy backed off. Wow! Oh man! Yeah. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Nice. Now who's gonna get mushy? Jesus! God Woo! damn! Yeah. 
That was That's crazy, powerful, though. Man. But, and and it, and more than anything, it shows like not that like my dad's some big tough guy or whatever else but my dad at that sacrifice right like you bite mm-hmm. that and you're eating that bite sandwich the bullet, that like shit you talked about it Land that grenade, bite the bullet the right it's wow. well it's eating that i always say it's eating that shit sandwich that you've been making all this time it's like now you gotta eat that now yeah you know, like, uh, like now, yeah. Now you see how that tastes yeah you know you gotta choke that thing down oh. you made that thing. oh man like, that was hard, Woo! you know, but now it's that's like amazing. 50, bro. It's like almost 60 years they've been married to get, you know, and still not been back together, you know, that's and they so still awesome. complain, complain amazing, each other man. and whatever. It's crazy. It's funny. My kids that's... always walk like, man, grandpa and Mimi and grandpa, they're always they're like, they argue all the time. Like he's always mad about what she says. Like, yeah, but you watch, they always come together in the same car. They always leave <laughs> right, in the same right. car. You know, you know they, they argue, but it doesn't mean they don't love each other. That's so important, uh-huh. and I'm realizing more and more from, and again, this is the only social app that I engage in because it's easy, it's accessible, and you can engage with real people in real time. So I'm learning so much from all you great dads. Speaking of great dads, we got two more messages from Darkly. Yeah, I'm definitely curious about mediation too, because um, my my divorce was uh, a default. She never showed up for anything, um, and and co-parenting either. I'm very much a rookie in co-parenting. Um, the stipulation is their mom has to show six months of sobriety documented before she can even interact with our children. So I have had to do basically zero co-parenting and I uh, had basically zero me- re- you know, mediation because of her situation. She's just, you know, lost in the sauce. But um, I, I definitely want to learn more about that um, and to help people, too, and to see the dynamics that go into it. It's, it's, it's really challenging on any level so definitely here to here to learn more about that so great show guys that was a wonderful suggestion you know what happens to that i've seen in my experiences you guys are talking about just therapy and 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 helping a relationship is a lot of people are in fear and they they don't want to communicate a gripe or an issue um out of fear that it's going to kick up dust or it may cause problems and i think that for a lot of us it's, it's how we're addressing it um, and being able to address something as an adult uh, and take a step back in a way is super helpful because if you're carrying resentment or a burden or something, it's going to affect you, whether it's today, tomorrow or a month from now. So finding a way to communicate that healthily can make or break a relationship. And I just I feel like there's a lot of people out here that carry resentments and it's just because it needs to be worked through. It's not insurmountable or impossible. It just needs to be talked about. Sometimes just opening that line of communication is the, is the first and most important thing. You know, it shouldn't be anybody, any shame in anybody's game. Right on. Yeah, That's what don't I'm be getting afraid either. I'm there's getting, a, there's a, there was a big point in there that Dark Legend um, alluded to. And that I, uh, before we go too far, I would love to speak into that real quick because I think it's so, so important is that um his ex is is still uh lost in the sauce um and uh and that's a that's a tough place to be like for for you dealing with somebody who's is in that state but um and i don't know how to how to deal with that as far as dealing with her but um i know how to deal with it with my kids my 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 three uh youngest have the same uh, mother and father and both of them, uh, the the mother 
sucks. Their mother um, last month overdosed on on um, fentanyl, and oh, so and she didn't. She was lost them for years. The whole time that I've had my kids, and I've had them for my their mind for eight years. And they never got to close. They never got that finality on it. And um, it's it's just a, such a sucky place to be. And she didn't make the effort stuff because she was in these bad situations. And and um, but they've asked me about it. And and I think the one thing that I can say to them that that is the best or best thing that I could have done was to not sit there and badmouth her. And not because she didn't make shitty decisions. She did. She did all kinds of stuff. But what I did tell them was that, and it's true, that she's sick. No mother in their right mind would make those bad decisions unless they were completely sick. She's taken over by something that is not, you know, normal, and she's sick, and she's broken. And because of that, it doesn't take away their value, right? It doesn't all of a sudden, because her actions make them worth less, that I made sure that I've told them that, you know, that she, I know if she was in her right mind, she would show you how much she loves you, but she's not, she's not in her right mind and she's sick. And that's all I can say about it is that those, those things, I know that some point when, if I knew her when she was sober and people that knew her when she was sober, didn't, she didn't do these, you know, things that this, this nature. So it's, 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 it's the sickness that's got a hold of her. Yeah. And, um, and, and that, being able to say that to my kids um, has made a, a big difference. They didn't get the closure. They, she, you know, she passed away just last month. And so they didn't, my daughter, it really affected my daughter, my oldest daughter, really tough. Wow. <clears throat> because she didn't get that closure. She didn't get to say goodbye. I'm and, sorry, uh, man. That sucks, bro. Yeah. That's yeah, hard. It, it does. It's, it is hard. And, and it's, uh, and the, the biggest thing that I have to, I have to do is I have to keep my kids knowing what their value is like that, because then if, 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 if their value is based on what their mother says, then she just said what they were worth. They weren't worth more than the next fix or whatever else. And, and reality is that I'm probably going to fail them at some point too. So you can't base your value on me. You know, you have to base your value on, on an eternal creator. And, and, and with, because that's unshakable, it's completely unshakable, right? You can't take that from me. Um, Mm -hmm. because the, you know, because that's where I get my value from, but also it doesn't mean that you're not going to be, you're not going to evaluate yourself based on what your parents do, but if man, it makes it a whole lot different whenever they realize their, their parents sick. And, and, um, so I don't know. I don't know if that does help, but it was it was something that really helped my kids, you know, not going in any and and creating more trouble because you know mom doesn't come and visit and mom didn't do what she had to do in order to get us back and mom didn't you know all that. Well, she's she's sick and she's you know she's not in her right mind. Yeah. <sighs> I have had a lot of jobs in my life, a lot. Uh, my, I, I remember having my first job at 10. I was going door to door selling uh, tablecloths. I remember I had my other job at 12. I was delivering uh, summer newspapers in neighborhoods during summertime. I had my own paper route at uh, 
in eighth grade. I mean, I've always worked 15, worked full time for McDonald's. I was going to school. I, I've always believed in work. And uh, even though I had, my, I started my own company when I was in my, when I was 29 and I've been self-employed since 26. The best job on earth is being a dad. I, it is the only job where when I put my head down at night, I take pride that I love my job. I don't take pride that I do good at it. I just take pride that I'm blessed to have an awesome job. And I also know that it's yeah. not my children's responsibility for them being here. That was a choice that I made. I asked for them to join me on this earth. So I feel an immense amount of guilt if I am not available to them. But that doesn't mean I figured it all out. In fact, the more and more I hang on a stereo, the more and more I realize how many inadequacies I have. The more and more I have conversations with relationships I'm fostering, like Mars the Black, Todd Father, Rose, all these uh, Peter, Pitsky, Info, I mean, all the people that I, Chris, because you don't know, uh, legends, individuals that I feel are men that I can relate to, the, the more I'm enlightened as to how to repair these shortcomings. So I'm getting a lot out of this conversation. We'll play these two messages and start winding up the show. Wow, Todd, yeah. thank you, uh, first of all, very much for sharing that. And, and my deepest and, and most heartfelt condolences for your loss. Um, and you, everything you said was so true. No, no person is born to become an addict and have their life end through overdose. Um, nobody has kids to struggle with them. Everyone has good intentions, and um, I know, like, for my situation, their mom loved, loved our kids. She just, uh, what it was for us is um, when my son was diagnosed with autism, she was a recovered addict, heroin, um, but she started drinking 2010, and she never came back, and it took me to 2021 to really just completely cut ties, but it's uh, not easy, and, and what you are experiencing right now is everything that I've talked to the, ther the therapists and counselors about and being prepared for because it could very much become our reality too, and uh, and uh, it, it can be a very defeating feeling, um, you know, and it's so true to not um, deprecate them, speak ill of them, um, because she, like you said, like I said, she does love her children, she just doesn't know how to right now. And I, and I hope that she fights the good fight and comes back because there'd be nothing better. You know, we have a nonverbal autistic son that um, I could definitely use some help with. <laughs> you know, it's a, he's in a residential program right now, and I need all hands on deck for all these kids about to have another beautiful baby girl. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry for your loss, sir. That's pretty powerful, and um, you, your children are blessed to have you. So peace and blessings, y'all. Thank you for that, Legends. Right. And I totally Shout endorse to that Legends. message. Yeah. So some of the things that come out in our conversations are helping others. They've helped me an immense amount that I, I just feel so grateful for you guys. I'm, I'm glad I'm getting to know you guys as men, as dads, and as friends. We've been on the air since 9 a.m. Who would have known, Mars, we would have gone three hours like this? Time flew. <laughs> right, yeah. I think when you have conversations that like you enjoy, like time really is kind of like um, time becomes kind of you know irrelevant because like you're so consumed by the conversation that you know you lose track of it. And these are conversations that I feel I 
get more out of when I talk to other dudes. Go ahead, Todd Father. No, I just was going to say, especially when it's a genuine conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not just a bunch of trash mouth, but, you know, that there's genuine <laughs> real yeah. conversation, right? That's meaningful. And it's, you know, and you can tell that. I mean, you can tell when it's heartfelt and whenever it's, mm-hmm. re- you know, it's real. And, um, you know, there's just, there's just not enough of that, you know. All right. You, you guys have done an excellent job of setting a standard here in our first official inauguration dads club on the stereo app. I don't know how long stereo will be around. I don't know how long stereo will allow us to have these conversations. I'm sounding like a conspiracy theorist. I know, but some of the, some of the wacky <laughs> things that happen on this app, it seems like there's more acknowledgement and rewards given to trolls than there are to people who want to speak what's from their heart. And I understand that sometimes we have to be politically correct, but that's not this room. I'm an old school guy. And as long as you're not saying anything with malicious or bad intention or or ill will towards someone or threatening someone, it is a reason why this is the land of the brave and the home of the free, because we can have these conversations. And I want to continue to have Dad's Club at 9 a.m., on Monday mornings. And if it has enough momentum, maybe we'll have it twice a week, but this is how I start off my week. I have a very active mind and I want to talk with gentlemen that I can respect and I can pull from their experiences. Todd father, you were very transparent and open with your heart. Kind of weird for a guy being from Texas. Don't get too mushy now. And Mars, the black, I expect this much from you. I mean that you're the kind of guy that I can see, you know, we want we want to be part of your family. Like, there's always something happening in your family. You're mellow <laughs> and chilled. You have that psychological uh, background to know. Don't take everything so hard. So, with that being said, I want yeah. to appreciate our listeners as well. We will definitely be inviting you guys back, and any other fathers who want to be part of the panel. I know Peter. I send you a message. Anybody else who wants to participate in this, let's keep the conversation. Oh man, fun. legends, man. Legends needs to be a part of this. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Is there anything you guys want to say before we close out the show? Todd father. You I just want to say that I think I'm getting mushy because of all these Californians moving into Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love it's our dynamic, man. Off, we just... man. <laughs> that's what you get for hanging around ballroom dancers. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to teach you yeah. the two-step, Leo. When you come here, man, I'm going to take you out and show you the two-step. The two-step. <laughs> right on. I'll bring some cowboy boots. I'm willing to learn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Good. Thanks, Leo, man. This is, a good, this is a good conversation. This is what we should be sharing. Right on. All right. Mars, any closing thoughts? Closing thoughts. Um, I just want to say, man, kids, kids got – naturally built in resilience man like i feel like as fathers and like as um as men it's just our our job to as um help them navigate like you know towards it that um that uh straight and narrow path you know to where you know they'll be fine in life it's just up to us you know you've gotta gotta steer our kids in the right direction and like and just thanks, Leo, for creating this space, man. I really enjoyed. This is probably one of my more favorite talks that, like, I've been a part of. So I do hope that we continue on uh, doing the um, the Dad's Club, and hopefully we meet some new friends. You know, like, most definitely wanna. Um, I love the dynamic. So yeah, I just hope we 
this keeps up. Like we keep the the steam going. And shout out to Todd Father too, man. You, you, um, I learned a lot from you. Um, as far as you know, um, just being that I need to learn to, you know, to say sorry more often. You know, it's it's just something I struggle with and something you know I'm working on. So. Yeah, we learn as long as we take something new from the conversation, I think that's all that matters with this dad dad's club. So yeah, most definitely taking a lot from this from both of you guys. And I appreciate both of y'all. Yeah, back at right you, man. I learned a lot today too. I'm a, i learned that I need to be <laughs> I need to make some good times for my wife to be able to experience instead of me being a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We had some right. wonderful participation from Dark Legends. We had some great input from uh, Pete, or the pioneer. The rest of our listeners for stopping in. Thank you so much. Being a dad isn't easy. I'm finding out it's really hard. But it is the best mm -hmm. job I ever had. You guys take care. Right. Peace. Later. Later, y'all.